What's up, everybody? This is Elliot Terrell, and you're listening to Magical Thinking. Our guest for this episode is Rico De La Vega. I've been fortunate to get to know Rico over the last year, and like his sister Lisa, episode 71 of the podcast, he is a beacon of light and love, and he's an amazing magician who creates and consults for the biggest names on stage and television. In the episode, Rico and I goof around a lot, (laughs) discuss the merits of my favorite campy Batman movie and The Mask of Zorro, and also we talk about magic. Specifically, Rico shares his thoughts on creativity in a collaborative environment, the power of context in performance, and how magic can and should be relatable to the audience, and how he believes that the truest potential of magic is to touch, move, or inspire the audience. This episode was an absolute blast, and I'm lucky to call Rico a friend. I know you're going to love it. If you love magical thinking and want to show your support, head over to patreon.com slash magicalthinking. Patreon helps me get better equipment for the show as well as enables me to share the podcast with a wider audience. By becoming a patron, you get access to exclusive content that isn't just necessarily about magic. I have done a magic audiobook, The Art of the Stage, that is available to patrons, but I also am doing style videos like how to style a leather jacket and which knots you should tie depending on which formal occasion you're going to. There are behind-the-scenes pictures and video from the episodes, and I also have started a revamped book club where I discuss literature that inspires me. It's a lot of fun, and if you're interested, that's Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash thinking. If you haven't already, follow us on Instagram and Facebook by searching Magical Thinking Podcast and Art of Magic. Join our newsletter at artofmagic.com. And if you want to learn magic or become a better magician, check out the Ambassador Program on artofmagic.com. You'll get access to exclusive material that's never been released or is long out of print. And you'll also be able to message our team of experts directly. If you ever need some guidance or inspiration, we will be there to help. Anyway, get into the episode, and if you have any magic-related questions or comments on the show, let me know what you think by emailing podcast at artofmagic.com. This is Rico De La Vega. Enjoy. Ready? Why not? Oh, you were already recording, you asshole. I was. (laughs) (laughs) I pretended to record. I know. I'm going to take it out. I'm pretty sure he's already recording. I'll take that out. Asshole. This is a safe space. <laughs> if you do want to adjust your mic, though, so that you, so that way I'm closer you can, to it. yeah, you can be comfortable, but that's very easy to move. <laughs> okay, I think I'm pretty go. comfortable right here. There you go. Yeah, it's a big mic. I'd be impressed if you could fit it all in. In in, in where? You know. Yeah, it would fit everywhere. Wait, no, I mean, like my closet. Yeah. Easily fit this in my closet. I could easily fit it in the trunk of my car. Well, don't, please yeah. don't take it. <laughs> <laughs> Why? It's a nice mic. It is a nice mic. It's worth taking. It's not mine. It's Amanda's. If you take it, you're taking hers. Oh, stuff. my God. And I will fight you. <laughs> and I will watch. <laughs> if it weren't for the fact that you could kick my ass, it would be on right now. We're recording. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> brings it out me. Don't kill anybody tonight. Well, I promise. Okay, good. We've got like three more hours and then I can kill someone. Oh, man. Is there an alarm set for three hours of killing? <laughs> kill it. Siri, remind me to not kill anybody in three hours. 
Bidim. Okay. Murder set to pause. Do you, <laughs> <laughs> Dude, did you change the voice on your Siri? No, I kept my voice on Siri because it's the same voice as the Batman Lego movie, you know? Is it really? Yes. That's fun. Yeah. I haven't seen that yet. I heard it was really good. I just talked to somebody recently. I was talking about how Batman Forever is my favorite Batman movie. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Oh, my God. If you you don't agree with me, you you can fight me. (laughs) I just learned so much about you right now, Elliot. I love that movie so much. so good. Hang on a second. I'm struggling to remember which one that is. Who was the love interest in that? Uh, Nicole Kidman. That's the good one. Yep. <laughs> it doesn't matter who I said. That's the good one. Oh, if I, if I could remember the kid who plays Robin's name, I would have said his name. <laughs> the kid who played Robin? Yeah. I auditioned for Robin. What? There was an open, there was an open <laughs> casting call for like, oh, we're going to cast the new Robin. For that, for that movie, right? Yeah. Actually, I didn't audition. I lied. I went to the audition. Oh, okay. Went there, got in line, and then the, the news cameras and everybody was all there. And, and then there were all these awesome, like, martial artists and everything. And these crazy Filipinos doing our knees and stick fighting and on the sidewalk waiting to get in. And I go, I don't belong here. <laughs> <laughs> this is P.S., Dick Grayson, not Brown. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, but none con- of y'all are going to get it. I'm going home. issues. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm going home. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, it's my favorite Batman movie. But the guy that I said that to, he was like, you should see Lego Batman. It's my new favorite. And I was like, Have okay. you seen all the Batmans? I've seen all of them except Lego Batman. You have to see that one then because <laughs> you're going to laugh your ass off. I believe it. It's so good. I love Will Arnett. I think he's amazing. And he oh, Jesus. plays Batman. So, he's so good in that. Yeah. Let's talk about Batman some more. Okay. Yeah. What do you want to talk about? I have a pretty good base of knowledge. <laughs> do you really? <laughs> oh, my God. Our friend Linda is the Batman connoisseur. Oh, yeah. She knows anything and everything about Batman more than anybody I know. Wow. That's fun. How far into this are we? And I'm already empty. <laughs> That's, uh, we're... <laughs> Well, considering I have to cut out the first four minutes, we're two minutes into it. Yes, two <laughs> minutes into it. Empty glass of whiskey. There's more. You can help yourself if you like. It's just so far away. I know. All right, I don't want to leave this it's mic. It looks so delicious. <laughs> <laughs> hey, so what do you want to talk about, dude? Magic. Thanks for having me. Oh, please. No, seriously. Just like the fuck everybody's doing this podcast but me oh my god and then now you're only having me on because you had my sister on yeah well no if it worked that way i wouldn't have you on <laughs> exactly exactly okay i see how it is all yeah. right no i get it yeah but yeah oh i'm sorry me. you're so busy all the time <laughs> yeah no not really try to stay busy as i said everybody i'm, I'm seriously just trying to keep up yeah yeah with whom with everybody what do you mean in the sense that there's so much magic out there. And I was just talking to a friend, about, a friend of mine about this. And they're like, um, when you get hired as a consultant, how does that work? I'm like, I, I really don't know. <laughs> I'm like, I really don't know because people, I say this to everybody that I work with, like people hire me because they want answers. Yeah. And I always tell people, I don't have all the answers. I don't, not one person can give you all of the answers. And, but what I'm pretty good at is that I've been in this business a good deal of time and I've done a bunch of projects 
and I've made a ton of mistakes. I've probably made as many mistakes as there are to make out there, and I'm going to keep making mistakes. Yeah. But I think that because of those mistakes, I can tell people what not to do. I can look at something and go, with a pretty good percentage, I can look at something and go, ah, maybe not the right idea. Mm-hmm. Maybe we shouldn't do that because I saw it fail here. Yeah. Or we tried it over here and it didn't work. Well, what's the answer then, Rico? I'm like, well, you know, I don't know yet. Let's figure that out. So I don't always have the answers. And anybody who says that they have all the answers, maybe they do. You know, but I, I defer to not knowing. Yeah. And then trying to figure it out. It's certainly a safer space to be in, but it's also creatively more energizing to do it that way. It is. It is. But that's the, that's the, the, that's the strength of having a team because I work with – I think that I'm lucky because I surround myself with very smart people. And uh, I'm a sponge to all of them. And we all – make up for each other's weak points and we complement each other's strengths. So yeah, it's always easier with a team. It's, it's also more fun with a team. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's really interesting to me because like so many magicians aren't collaborating with people, you know, like most, I would say 95% of magicians aren't collaborating with people in a meaningful way. And, there is something to be said for having a group of friends or a group of colleagues that you can all work together single-mindedly and selflessly towards a goal to make something better. Yeah. And that's why magic on TV is stronger than magic in the real world. (laughs) Generally. (laughs) Generally. Yes. Generally. Yes. And, and I hesitate on that because, um, I'm under the same thought process as, uh, as Garcia, Danny Garcia, because we both believe Who's that. that? Uh, it's some guy that does some magic stuff, and he's, he's kind of smart. Yeah, he's good. <laughs> but he and I are under the same thought train that, um, what were we talking about just now? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's a joke or not. <laughs> no, really, because I started thinking about 40 other different things just now. Oh, that's I had, funny. I had about nine Garcia jokes in my head that he tells and that totally threw me off track. Well, oh, that's funny. No, I was talking about collaboration and how uh, the, the magic that's done on TV that's is what seemingly was. stronger. Well, the thing is, we, we believe that um, magic should not be on TV. Mm-hmm. Magic is a live art. Yep. You know, it's, there's so much that can happen on TV, but to really experience the impact of magic, you have to watch it live. That's why live shows are the best. Yes. So, I mean, shit, we work on TV a lot, but live is, as long as we're making it so that way the live, the people that are watching it live are experiencing the same magic um, as the people at home are watching it live, then it's good. Yeah. Then it's all right. But if it's full on camera cheat, okay, what I want you guys to do now is uh, I want you to pretend this wall turned green. <laughs> and when that when I say go, you all react like it just turned green. Go, like no, that's it has to happen live, and they have to experience something real. Yeah, yeah, that's all. Magic is magic should be experienced live. I agree. Yep. And so when I when you look at the effects that are done on television, 
they are seemingly much more from a magician standpoint they're seemingly much more impossible than what a person could do out in the real world yeah uh and i'm curious if that is because magic should be seen live yep and so it is impossible for somebody watching a screen to have the same magical feeling impact mm-hmm. <clears throat> that they would see live so you make the magic on tv heightened so that their experience is as close to something that they could see live as possible while yep. then supplementing it with audience reactions and other stuff where it engages their empathy as much as it does the wow factor because yes. it's a it's a you're trying to recreate something that should be seen live and you have to use different ingredients to yep. do that. Does that make sense? It totally makes sense. That's why Copperfield specials were so good. You know, because you actually felt like you were there. You felt you got the same experience watching it on TV as you did if you're watching his live show. And it's hard because I can't really think about the shows that were able to recreate that feeling. You know, when you're watching it on TV, you feel the same as or the same or better as you as you would when you're watching it live. But then again, there's not a lot of people who do TV and do live at the same time. So, yeah, yeah. Moving on. next question next question well so you've seen a lot of magic you've been in magic a long time if you could boil it down what's the bare bones that it takes to be a good magician oh god this is my preaching moment there people ask me that like what i don't know but i know what i what it is for me Uh uh-huh you know for other people i don't know but Lisa touched on it because you asked her uh, something similar on her podcast, but it's something that I preach all the time. It's because it's something that I really believe in and it's making magic that makes an impact on people. And I talk about this all the time. I talked about it in the magic magazine interview. You read that, right? Yep. Thank God you read that. Okay. That's good. (laughs) Jamie Grant did an awesome write up on that. That was so great. But um, impact, you already know this now because you read it, but for, but those for of the you people, don't know. Yes, exactly. Yes. Uh, this is my belief. My belief is that you have to do things that make an impact. And the way, the example that I give people all the time is Elliot, I'm going to ask you a question, a couple of questions, and uh, don't tell me the answers, okay? So think of the happiest memory you can think of in the past 10 years. Okay. Got it. Like that. Took about a second and a half. Now, without telling me what it is, think of the saddest memory you can think of in the past 20 years. Got it. Right? About a second there, right? Yeah. And I don't need to know what those are. I just, I can make a wager that those two memories, they either touched you, moved you, or inspired you in some way. Is that fair? Yes. Yeah. So the way human beings operate, the way our brains work, the only way that you can, the only memories that we actually keep, that we remember. Did you do Landmark? What's that? Did you do Landmark? Yes, I did, actually. You said touch, moved, and inspired. That's, exact, like, Wait that's a exactly second. it. That's okay. exactly it. And I'm like, because when I learned that, I go, hold on a second. That doesn't just apply to life. That applies to how we apply that for other people. Mm-hmm. So I applied that to our art. How do we make magic that touches, moves, or inspires? Mm-hmm. Because once we've done that... We're immortal to them. Yeah. You make a magic trick that doesn't just make people go, oh, wow, oh, that was an awesome trick. 
but it moves people or it inspires people, that's it. You're immortal. Mm -hmm. That's what I want to aim for. That's what I think makes a good magician. That's what I think makes a good magic trick because there's a ton of good magic tricks out there. Making those, making those effects have an impact on the audience is key because you can just do an awesome trick and it's just, Oh great. That was nice. But if you can really make it so that way it moves a person, forget about it. That's it. It's over. Yeah. We've done our job. So for me, that's what makes a, what makes a good magician and what makes a good magic trick. You did landmark. I did landmark. <laughs> How far did you get in landmark? I just did the advanced course two weeks ago. Did you really? Yeah. See, that's the, I, I stopped after the advanced course. I'm, I'm signed up for SELP, Self-Expression Leadership Program. I signed up for that. Good for you. We should do it at the same time. I am not going to. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what time is this? I'm going to take this out. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it is good. It's, it's, that was actually probably the biggest thing that I took away from that. One of the biggest things I, that I took away from that. You know what's so funny is I was sitting in it and I was like, this is perfect for magic. Yes. Yeah, I was like, I wish I could take notes right now because, like, I, I, this is how I want to structure every magic trick. Exactly. And like the whole arc. Oh my god, this is. I'm, I'm sorry. Most of you people have no idea what we're talking about. But the arc of the whole weekend is like, you start out in a place of total unknown and darkness, and by the end of yes. it, you have this revelation. You're like, fuck. That's what a magic act should be. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. So that that's why I applied it to magic. It's 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 really smart. It yeah. actually is really smart. So, but making an impact, um, I mean, that's the only reason why we remember anything. Like yeah. you, you learned that there. Everything else we've forgotten because it didn't touch, move, or inspire. Yeah. So I say that all the time, and I really, really believe that. And that's why when we're doing stuff with like Cyril, mm -hmm. it's great, awesome trick. But how do we make it make it have an impact? And it doesn't always hit. Yeah. But there are some things that people will never forget. So know? what is what does that process look like? Like you find it, do you find a really cool trick and you go, okay, now let's work this into a thing, or is it I have this idea that I think could be very moving, and then let's find a way to a lot of the times it's it. exactly what you think it might be. It's just us walking around the city after maybe a couple of whiskeys. I'm not going to say, <laughs> but. Uh, <laughs> Walking around and saying stupid ideas and then writing them down and then looking at it the next morning and going, yeah, those were stupid. Oh, wait a second. That actually might work. Case in point was the, um, the hamburger trick that he does. I don't know it. Oh, boy. This interview is over. <laughs> <laughs> Friendship terminated. <laughs> he pulls a hamburger out of a poster from a, from a fast food joint. Oh, it's amazing. Yeah. It was a, and the thing is, it was a joke. We were walking down the street at, at like 3.30 in the morning in Tokyo and we were starving and this burger joint was closed and I go, dude, what if, oh man, what if you just reached up and pulled the burger right out of that, right out of the poster right there, man, that would be awesome. Wrote it down and, you know, typed it into the phone. Next morning, afternoon, I should say, next afternoon you wake up, look through all the notes, like that's stupid, that's stupid, burger from poster. Hang on a second, that could be funny. So then we explored that. We're like, yeah, let's just make it a throwaway. It's yeah. A, it's a cute thing. You know, it's, I don't think it's really going to fool anybody, but it's, it, it'll be a fun trick. Yeah. And it was, it was a throwaway on one of his specials. And then it became his signature thing. <laughs> like everybody, oh yeah, that's the hamburger guy. You know, like, geez, it was just a throwaway. But I think it made an impact because it was something that everybody could relate to. Mm -hmm. I think that's what made it made it make an impact. It was relatable. Yeah. It was, I'm hungry. There's some food in the picture. Give it to me. That was it. 
Because like everything else, coin tricks, card tricks and everything else, it's great. But it's like, you know, it's like the Seinfeld model, you know, like what's, what's Seinfeld about? <laughs> nothing. Exactly. <laughs> it's about nothing, but it's also about everything that everybody can relate to. Yeah. Because everybody can go, oh my God, I experienced that. I know exactly what he's talking about. Yeah. So that's the relatable thing. If you can make the magic relatable, I think that's when we boiled it down. We're like, why did that hit so hard? That was that was a joke. It's because everybody's been drunk at three a.m. and want a hamburger. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but that amazing. was it. It was a problem solution. Yeah. You know, it, it, that's what it was. It was problem solution, and which I think is also the best kind of magic is problem solution. Because if you just go, "Hey, look how awesome I am! Yay, great!" I when I um when I, what, how old was I? I was like nineteen, and Universal City Walk first opened up, and um. I saw the ad in the newspaper and it said, come be entertained by our jugglers, mimes, puppeteers, blah, 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 street artists. And I go, hold on a second. Then I read that again. I go, it doesn't say magician in there. No, it doesn't say magician. Okay. So I picked up the phone, called up Universal Studios. I'm like, yeah, could I get the director of entertainment, please? They're like, sure, hold on. Transferred me over. I'm 19 years old. Transferred me over. They're like, so-and-so's office. And I go, yeah, is he in? <laughs> and they go, yeah, who is this? I go, this is Enrico De La Vega from the Magic Castle. They're like, oh, sure, hold on a second. I'm like, oh, my God, I can't believe you're talking. I don't even know who this guy is. <laughs> so then he's like, hi, how you doing? I'm like, hey, is this so-and-so? And I didn't know his name until the assistant said it, right? Yeah, yeah. And I go, hey, I just noticed that you guys are opening up CityWalk. You don't have any magicians there. And then I'd like to do some street magic for you. It's like, great, come on in on Wednesday. We'll throw you in center court. We'll see how you do. I'm like, awesome. I didn't know. I didn't know how to busk. <laughs> I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't have a street act. Trial by fire. Trial by fire. I'm like, all right, I'm gonna go in there. I'm gonna do some linking rings. Do a couple card tricks. It's gonna be awesome. Like, yeah. But I went out there, did a couple of things, and he's like, all right, you want to start this week? I go, great. Yeah. This, that. So I'm out there doing three, four nights a week, just some crappy magic i really wasn't that good and then a couple of weeks into what i went over for my next uh, magic lesson with our magic teacher lauren christopher michaels right and he's like hey so what's new rico what's going on and i said i'm busking now he's like really <laughs> I go, he goes where i go over at universal city walk he goes <laughs> show me I'm like what he's like show me your act I'm like all right i'm gonna show you my act showed him my act and he goes oh it's good so what do you get? Like 20 bucks in tips? <laughs> and I go, 25? <laughs> yeah. And he said one of the most profound things to me. He goes, the problem is, is that you're trying to be good. You're, tr you're out on the street trying to do great magic. I go, but isn't that what people want to see? He goes, no. He goes, you know, there's NASCAR, you know, and people watch, you know, drive around in circles and stuff. And, he's, and I'll ask you the way he asked me. He goes, why do people watch and ask? Why do people watch car races? I have no idea. Why do people watch car races? Do you think they watch it to watch the cars go around in circles? No. Why do they watch it? Because it's fun. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Amanda, why do people watch car races? To see an accident. They want to see the crashes. Oh. Why do people... That's true. <laughs> why do people watch hockey games? Because they want to see somebody's teeth come out. They want to see the fights. Yeah. Why do people, I see where this is going. Why do people go to watch a magician on the street? 
because they want to see him eat shit. They want to see him fuck up. Fuck those people. (laughs) (laughs) He goes, the problem is you're trying, you're trying too hard to be good. He goes, change it. Just try this. He goes, it might not work. Try this. Just change this and that and this and that into magician's error. The thing that you want to do is people are there to, they want to see you fuck up. Give that to them and then fix it with magic. Give them the problem they want to see and then fix it with magic. So I started doing all problem solution stuff like that. A magician's error killed. Oh, that hurts me so much. <laughs> Why does that hurt you? Because I hate that plot. <laughs> but the thing is, it doesn't matter. If I hate it. I know. And you're, I know you're right. And I'm with you. And that makes me even more mad. <laughs> it makes me mad too. Because there's things out there that we dislike, that we hate. There's magic tricks that I don't like. Banana bandana. I can't stand that trick, but I love what it does to people. Yeah. People love that trick. Yeah. So as much as... Well, that's because it's Magician in Trouble. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Dumb idiot wizard boy who trying to make us think that he has real powers <laughs> doesn't understand the difference between bandana and banana. Exactly. See, that's why people love it. And that's why I love and hate that trick. Yeah. It's the same reason why you hate Magician's Hair. You know, the plot is... It sucks, but it's, I mean, it's problem solution. Problem yeah. solution is the easiest magic for lay people to get a grip on. Yeah. You know, and, and plus they go, ha ha ha, you messed up. They love seeing people mess up. Yeah. And then when you fix it, like I do a really stupid card transpo. Um, I started doing it there. Really stupid card transpo. Where I'm like, oh, your card comes to the top. Your card is this and your card is that. And they're like, nope, that was my card. And I go, well, then that must have been your card. And I just swapped them. That's wrong, right? And they go, nope, my card was a totally different card. I'm like, oh, my God, crap. And I'm looking through the deck. I go, wait, what was your card again? They go, four diamonds. And I go, what was your card? And they go, three of spades. I'm like, crap. All right. And I just walk away from them. And then they turn the cards over, and, you know, then it's correct. It's a stupid little trick, right? But so strong. Yeah. Ridiculously strong. I've had people throw the cards on the ground at City Walk and they're like, he's the devil. And they go running away and stuff. I'm like, yeah, but me? is that is that a problem solution? If Is that a reaction because of the, the problem solution aspect of it? Or is that a reaction because of the structure where they're not ahead of you? Both. It is both. Because if you think about it, they, they're like, they have it in their brain. Ha, ha, ha. You really fucked up. Yeah. Maybe people laugh, like to laugh at you when you mess up, Rico. <laughs> people like to laugh at me regardless. That's true. Yeah. You're delightful. I'm not. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I just <laughs> am so prickly about this because I hate that plot. And also, I've, I ha- I'm under the opinion that we have to educate the public in, in such a way that we can't always give them what they want. We got to give them what they don't know they need. True. The public doesn't know what they want until you tell them what they want. Yeah. You know, people didn't know, they don't know that they like a certain TV show until you put it out there and you go, you you need to like this. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. But I don't know if it's necessarily we have to educate them on how to appreciate magic better because they can only appreciate what they can understand. Mm -hmm. And society can only walk as fast as the slowest runner yeah so we have to work towards lowest common denominator and so if we're able to hit that then we're able to connect you know it's like yeah it sucks it feels like we're dumbing it down but along the lines of what you're saying as far as educating them i think you're right in the sense that we dumb down stuff and then we sneak in 
the stuff that we really want them to know. We really want them to learn. Because if we just throw all the cerebral stuff at them, they're going to shut down. Mm -hmm. But if you throw in something that they get, like, oh, that's that's great, that's amazing, and then you throw, you pepper in all the stuff that we do want to teach them, then yeah, then they're more accepting to it. But going cerebral the entire way is so hard to do. Sure, totally. And you you have to, of course, you have to add texture. Yeah. There has to be, uh, you know levity when you when like you're watching again i i always go back to comedy like you do and it's like you know you watch somebody who's up there preaching and it's not fun anymore but if you're up there watching somebody speak very eloquently and then they drop the f-bomb you're like fuck that was funny (laughs) you know it's like one of my favorite memories of all time is watching i was in uh, a freshman english class and my professor was the dean of the honors college and the dean of the English college. And he was like this short little man that wore a crisp white shirt and tie and (laughs) penny loafers every day. Yeah. And my favorite memory is a girl in the front row shouting the word come at him and him going, Oh shit. (laughs) And just seeing this composed, beautiful man broken by the word come (laughs) and then going shit in front of the class. It's the funniest thing in the world. And so I understand that like, Playing to that carnal, primal yeah. need inside of us is necessary, but yes, it has to be tactful. And I and I'm not it saying that you're yeah, I, I, it, yeah, you're right. It does have to be tactful, and it has to it has to be peppered in at the right moments and everything. You know, like you said, there's got to be ups and downs to shows. It's got to there's got to be a certain ebb and flow to to routines. Yeah. So yeah, you're right. It does. It, it does. So my time. so my question is, when you were busking, what was then the flow of the show? Because I I'm totally in. I, I I'm with you when you say throw in more, uh, you know, magician fucks up, yeah, tricks. I get that because yeah. that does that adds in levels of suspense as drama. And you know, you ultimately you have to keep these people around because they can just walk away. Like I get it. I bust and I I know what that feels like. Yeah. When your crowd starts to bleed and you're like, no, what do I do? Oh, drop everything. Oh, they came back. Okay, good. (laughs) Drop. (laughs) Oh, look. Oh, my God. I tripped and fell down. The cup's clanging on the ground. like, oh, there's a fire. And then everybody (laughs) comes back. I love that. (laughs) So what what then was the the structure of the show? After uh, your teacher gave you this nugget of beautiful wisdom. Yeah. After that, it really was a bunch of error. And it was was like that two-card transpo. And there was like... I, I I used to do cups and balls out on the out on the street, mm-hmm. but at the very same time, Gazo was the other street magician out there. Well, shit. <laughs> yeah, and I'd never met him before. And then I go, oh shit, I saw it on the schedule. Oh, Gazo, oh, I'm going to come in early. I'm going to watch him. And I thought I was doing pretty well. You know, I got like 20, 30, 40 people around me. Gazo's got like 150 people around him, like 200 people around him, and commanding an audience. I'm going, I'm not doing my job. Yeah, you know I'm not doing it well. He's the king. Some magic just happened. He went. How did you make that float just now? <laughs> I was hoping that you would snap, and then the whiskey bottle would float over Flutter. here. That's what I thought was going to happen. I should rig that up. Yeah, you should rig that. You should up. get Larry to rig that up. Oh no, that's a great idea. No, we should rig it up for Larry, and he doesn't even know. And he doesn't even know. Crap. Larry, Larry, don't listen to this. Don't listen to the past five seconds of this podcast. <laughs> Rewind and hit fast forward. <laughs> <laughs> <It's> zero cents. <sense. laughs> 
No, so Gazzo was on the street and he was <laughs> commanding a huge crowd. And so you stopped doing the cups. Stopped doing cups and balls. I was doing like a bunch of Williamson stuff because Williamson was awesome. His cups and balls was great. I did like his tournament restored. And yeah, and then I was doing all right for a while. How old were you at this time? 1920. Okay. Yeah. Oh, that's right. You said 19 when you called the guy. Yeah, I was, I was there for a little while and then well, only like a year and a half or something. And then I stopped because City Walk at that time was getting really tough. Ah. There were a lot of gangs that started hanging out there. And one of my fondest, scariest moments there was I was, you know, had a nice tiny little crowd starting to get the crowd going. There's probably like 20, 25 people around me. I'm doing little card tricks. And then this gang, literal gang, this gang of kids. They, they were kids at the time. And there were probably like 15 boys they and had 20 girls. Pistols. They had water pistols. <laughs> One of them had a Nerf gun. Frightening. Like, they could put an eye out, bro. They had the, they had the switchblade combs. <laughs> oh, my God. The switchblade combs are so scary. Especially cause, is this because I'm bald? Is that why you're saying that to me? It is, yeah. Frightening. <laughs> your kryptonite anyway. it is my kryptonite <laughs> switchblade combs are my kryptonite <laughs> any comb especially and, and brushes brushes are really <laughs> make me sad um, but there was a gang of kids like there were 15 boys and like 15 or 20 girls and the crazy thing was they all walked up together but the boys and the girls were separated there were guys on one side girls on the other side and they were in the back of my 20-25 person crowd and then one of the best things about street, and you probably can agree to this, is it's one of the best places to work, about, work out how to fire back at hecklers. Oh, yeah. You, you learn quick how to fire back at hecklers. Yeah. And so, What a rush, too. It's Woo! so great. <laughs> it's so great. So then one of the, I guess he was the gang leader, he said something, he heckled me, and I fired out this line. I can't remember what it is. I fired it out. And the crowd laughs, and all the girls in the gang laugh, but none of the guys laugh. And then they started pushing forward, and it pushed out part of my you know, part of my crowd was getting pushed away. So he says another thing, and I fire back, and everybody laughs except for the dudes, and they push forward. And now my twenty twenty five crowd is now down to like ten. Then he says something again. I'm like, I'm not going to let him get away with that. Bam! Hit him with a comeback. And now all of a sudden, my entire crowd is gone, and it's just this gang in front of me, right? <laughs> and they're right up on my table, and I'm getting really nervous now because I've got my little silly little tip basket right there, and I have probably oh, maybe like 80 bucks, 100 bucks in there. Yeah. And he says one more thing, and I fire, and it hits him hard. And the girls are all laughing. And then one of his buddies goes, he's trying to make a fool of you, man. And I go, crap, here we go. And the guy, the, he was shorter than me, but the, the little tough little kid with all these tattoos and stuff. He like leans right up against my table and he goes, hey, man, what would you do if I took your money and ran? And I go, um, I'm sorry, what, what, what was that? He goes, I said, what would you do if I took your money right now and I ran? Gift from the universe at this moment, the two sheriffs were walking by, who, who I knew, right? They're walking by, and right as he says the first, what would you do the first time he says it? And right as I'm saying, excuse me, I look up at him, and I just gave him a little look, and they turned and started walking through the gang. 
And I go, excuse me, what you He's like, I said, what would you do if I took your money right now and ran? And I go, well, seeing as I'm a magician, I would do this. <laughs> and then this huge, huge sheriff just goes right on the kid's shoulder. Yeah. And I go, and that would happen. And he turns around and he sees this sheriff. He's like, oh, shit. And then the sheriffs, the two bail sheriffs, they go, hey, Rico, how's everything going? I'm like, everything is going great. They're like, what's going on? I'm like, nothing. Just showing my new friends here some magic. Right, guys? And they're like, yeah, yeah. They're just showing us some magic. And they're like, you mind if we stick around and watch you do that one thing? It was a Paul Gertner unshuffled. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they loved that thing. They're like, can you do that thing with the thing? And I go, yeah. They're like, oh, we're just going to stand back here and watch it. I'm like, yeah, cool. So I did that for them. And the gang ended up tipping me right? <laughs> because the sheriffs are right there. And then they took off. I'm like, well, it's getting kind of tough out here. It's getting... And then later that week, more gangs walking by. And I go, I'm just going to take a break. Walked up to this coffee shop that's not there anymore. And then when I left there, there was cops all around the place. Turns out that somebody got stabbed right on my spot. Oh, wow. My spot was right underneath that King Kong. You know, that King Kong hanging off the side of the building at City Walk? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that, that's the windiest, windiest spot on City Walk, by the way. Try <laughs> keeping cards on the table in that spot. <laughs> but somebody got stabbed right in that spot. Wow. And that's when I'm like, yeah, I, I don't need this job. I'm good. Yeah. So I think it's calmed down since then. But still, that was that's my busking story. Tried Third Street Promenade. Wasn't good there. I actually wasn't a good busker. Why not? I think because I was trying to be cool. I just wanted to be cool. I just wanted to be a, like an awesome magician. And I couldn't, I, I, I felt like I couldn't live up to the tricks, even though it's some things that I could deliver. It was fine and everything, but it just, it just didn't feel big enough. You know, you're out there, you're seeing Gazo do his 200 person crowd command. Yeah. You know, it's like, meh. You know what? I'm going to leave this to the guys that are actually really good at it. <laughs> I don't need to be making $80 a day, you know, just in tips. That's fine. Yeah. yeah. Paid for gas, though. That sure did. Mm. What do you think it was? What I mean, was it? I mean, why weren't you pulling bigger crowds? Um, I just don't think that I was cut out for busking. I what think does that, that mean? What's that? What does that mean? Because, you know, I, I grew up on the stage. Lisa and I grew up doing stage magic. Yeah. So the thing that I loved was the illusions and, you know, at the Magic Castle, when you're up on that stage, there's the smoke and the lights and the music and you're up on that little elevated stage and you're taller than everybody. Everybody's looking up and you, and you look better than you've ever looked anywhere in your life. And you've got this moat, this separation between you and the audience where... They have to just kick back and, and watch. And I felt like that was a safety for me. Mm-hmm. And that's why we started doing another routine where I had to break, uh, break the audience. I had to go out into the audience and pull, pull a volunteer up on stage. And that what was led to that? Why was that a thing that happened? Um, because I wanted to do. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you why. It's because it was the year that. Um, it was a year before the movie Zorro, the, the Mask of Zorro, yes. Legend of Zorro. Oh my God. The I Antonio Banderas yes. movie. Antonio Banderas. <laughs> Antonio Banderas. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh my God. So Catherine Zeta Oh my God. She was amazing in that. Oh my God. I love but that movie the, so much. Anthony oh Hopkins. God, do you like it better than Batman? Forever, Ooh. Batman Forever? It's. They're close. <laughs> they're, they're, they're closely tied. The reason why I loved it is because Zorro was a De La Vega. He was. Oh my God! Yes. You just blew my mind. <laughs> See? Don De La Vega. Yeah, Don Diego Holy De La Vega. Fuck. 
yes, Zorro is a De La Vega. And I'm like, hot dog, I'm going to do me a Zorro routine. And so we tried to, I, oh, we want to do this thing with a mask. And I'm like, no, the mask is too much. It's too cheesy. But I ended up doing something with a fencing sword on stage. His Spanish fencing sword routine with the Hans Zimmer music from Zorro and everything. And it was great. It was, a, it was a really fun routine to do. And basically what it was, was I went out in the audience, got a lady from the audience, brought her up on stage. And the curtains opened up. There was like this little table there with this like stained glass thingy. It's like this little crappy thing that I made that I thought was really pretty, you know. And um, it's got this little rose sticking out this tiny little vase on it and stuff, right? So it was all silent. Yeah. And I, it's all in pantomime, so I'm having her, I'm pointing to a ring, and I'm having her take off a ring, and I pull out this little uh, brandy snifter, you know, and I put it in her hand, and I pantomime, put the ring inside the brandy snifter, so she does all this stuff. So I'm just directing her without saying any words, right? Mm-hmm. I shake my, make my hand like, I move my hand like I'm shaking, and she shakes it, you can hear the ring ringing inside there. And then I take out a cloth, a little foulard, and I cover it up. I put it over her hand, over the glass, and, and then everything. you pull out your whip. <laughs> nah, I pull out the sword. Oh, so and now the, the only time I say something is at this moment when the music goes down, and I do like Antonio Banderas's line. I go, "Don't move." <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, because that's exactly the scene I was picturing. Yes, and I pull out the sword. And it gets a nice little giggle, and I'm, like, whipping this sword around and everything, and I'm touching the glass and stuff, but then nothing happens, right? So I bend the sword. So I put this sword into the stained glass, little stand thingy, so it stands the blade straight up, and then I turn the entire table, so now there's a stained glass that's covering the center of the sword. You can see the tip of the sword and you can on the top, mm-hmm. sticking out, and you can see the hilt of the sword on the bottom because there's no stained glass there. So then I walk over to her. And I take the glass that's covered up with the little silk, take it out of her hand, and I shush her. I go, shh, point to my ear, and I say, and it's like, listen. And you hear it ringing inside there. Then I snap my finger, wave it over the thing, and I shake it again, and the sound is gone. So then I uncover it, show the little brandy snifter empty. Teeny, teeny, tiny, like, ooh, oh, that, that was cute. Then I go, no. And I take the glass like this, and I go, shh. And I throw, I did like pretend to throw this thing up in the air and I point at the sword and you see her ring go stink on uh, the sword and it hits the hilt. That's dope. It was fun. And then I turn it around. People can see it. I take the sword out. I never touch the ring. And you see it just slide down to the center of the sword. And then it gets a little, little reaction. Then I have her, I pick up her hand and I hold her hand up. And what I always tried to do was put the tip of the sword right on her ring finger. And every now and then it would slide right onto her finger. <laughs> And that was great. So now they're going crazy. So then the music kicks up, the Zorro music. And then I walk over to the table and there's a rose there. And I go, and I take the sword and I whip the rose over my head and I catch it in the other hand and I give her the rose. And this is the most amazing thing ever. Is there video of this? There is video of it. I think oh it might God, be Rico. on VHSC. Rico. <laughs> we have to digitize that this week. That's my Christmas present. <laughs> yes, my Christmas <laughs> this sounds you. like the most amazing thing I've ever. It heard was of. so fun to do, and then the, so that was the going into the audience and trying to, you know, find the one person yeah. that would make it good. We actually did that at a Magic Castle Awards banquet. They yeah. asked us to do that, 
And I brought this lady up on stage and then whole routine went through and I slid the ring off, you know, down the sword. And then huge, I'm like, oh yes, I'm doing this great in front of all my peers. This is amazing. And I swung it around and the ring went flying into the curtains. <laughs> like, oh, magic fail. <laughs> <laughs> Swab factor zero. And then what happens? What I had to do? walk over and pick it up and put it back on her finger. And then I did the rose thingy and that saved my life. And I gave. <laughs> <clears throat> but one time I did the whole thing where, you know, put the ring inside the glass. Ring, ring, ring. Sword over there. And then I took the glass from her and I shook it. And I'm like, crap, the ring is still inside there. Mm-hmm. Like, no, no, wait, wait. I stole the ring out of there. I'm ringing it again. I'm like, yep, the ring. Oh, she had a wedding ring set. Oh, no. Yeah. So I had stolen out one <laughs> ring, but there was another ring still in the glass. That's funny. I thought you were going to say her stone had come out oh of her ring. Oh, my God. I looked at the fence. <laughs> like, oops, sorry. <laughs> Better take that back. Um, but I, I got lucky. So I showed it to her as, an, as a convincer. Look, it's still in there. Repeated the steal. Did the whole thing. Vanished. Her other ring falls onto the sword. Pick that up, show it. And just as she's, re- as she's reacting, and it's sliding down into her hand, I'm like, is that your ring? She goes, yeah. And as she was about to say something else, I put the other ring into her hand. I'm like, thank you very much. And I joined it. <laughs> she's like, those are my rings. <laughs> oh, God, thank God I got out of that one. Scared. That was a scary moment. That's fun. I'll find the video. I'll find the video. And I'll consider digitizing it and giving it to you. Oh, my God. That would be the greatest thing in the world. <laughs> it was so cheesy. Oh, I got to do man. fencing moves on stage. It was so great. It I've never so taken good. fencing. <laughs> the closest thing I've gotten to fencing is, like, stage fighting with swords. Hold on a second. You did sword sta- stage fighting with swords? Yeah. When did you do that? When I was, like, in high school. Broadswords? Or was it, like, fencing No, they foils, were, like, they, yeah, they were, like rapiers oh <gasps> i was super into swords when i was a kid i have was there a sword club? i have a collection wait where's your collection of swords? it's not here so you're lying to me i'm i'm not lying <laughs> i just don't have proof <laughs> <laughs> yeah I what love kind of swords, swords do you have i have an excalibur <laughs> oh, that's amazing i'm kind of jealous <laughs> i have i got it when i was in england um Oh, so it's not an Excalibur. It's, it's the the Excalibur. It's, I have Excalibur. <laughs> you dove into the water to get it. I mean, okay, technically, it's the sword from the movie Excalibur. However, the sword from the stone is not the sword Excalibur, just to be clear. Clear? Okay. okay. Yeah. So I have Excalibur, just, you know, for just the listeners. The, just not the sword and the stone. I don't have the sword and the stone. Sword from, yeah. Because they're, they're different swords. What are the swords? So you got an Excalibur. I have uh, Godric Gryffindor's sword. Of course you do. I have Gandalf's sword. Gandalf has a sword? I thought he had a staff. He, he has had a both. Sword. Yeah, he has like a dope sword. And now you have it. So it's a one and a half hand. Oh, and one and a half hand? He yeah. had a half hand? Yeah, he had a half hand. No, that's the hilt. Um, <laughs> so that's three swords. How many had, swords total? Uh, do you have I a, think I a have Japanese a, katana? I'd from never, Kill Bill. No, I, I never got a katana because I was like, that's what people with fedoras get. <laughs> people with fedoras wear katana or carry katanas? Hold on a second. 
That's amazing. Tell me I'm wrong. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, uh, and I, I had a, I had a, a walking staff that had a, or a walking cane that oh, had a sword in it. Where'd you get one of those? There was My dad got it for me. Oh, that's great. I want one of those. And then I out. had like a bunch of weird daggers and stuff. Oh, so good. And I used to have, like, I, Jesus, this is so off topic, but I had a friend. This is so on topic. This is Talk on, about this. <laughs> yes. I had a friend in school and he would come over and we would really fight with these swords like all of them have nicks taken out of the blades because we were like going down on each other and we would do like hold on a second wait what's the other again yep <laughs> no, that didn't. nope no, you, that, that was right that, that was, was correct. That was correct that's what i said <laughs> uh <laughs> but we would do hand to hand with the daggers and like it was dangerous oh uh, yeah. <laughs> and you it was think? awesome i wouldn't trade it for the world how many people did you kill 14. Wow. Yeah. What, that, that's what? more than average. I know. That's 14 more than average. 14 more than average. <laughs> so, better than average. <laughs> <laughs> Much better than average. <laughs> oh, man, that's so great. You have, you have a bunch of swords. You, have a bunch you know, of I'm, wondering, I'm wondering... Because I love... One of the reasons I love Zora so much is because it's kind of like Batman. Yeah. You know? Um, also, dope-ass... Secret cave behind a fireplace. Yeah. How cool is that? Yeah. He's like uh, L Batman. Yeah, L Batman. <laughs> <laughs> um and I wonder this again, very off topic, but this this is where I am right now. I wonder if my love of Batman and my love of Zorro are like played into my becoming a magician. Interesting. Why do you say that? Because I was always into secrets and like hidden knowledge. Yes. And, but but never I was never into magic until I got into magic. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I'd seen I saw Copperfield when he was on tour. I saw Siegfried and Roy in Vegas when I was young. And it never I loved it and it was amazing and I was a huge fan, but it never like I was never like, I wanna be a magician. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I want to be Batman or Zorro. <laughs> like, I was Zorro for Halloween. What? You were Zorro one year? Yeah, man. You were a De La Vega one year. I was a De La Vega one year. Yes. That's that's, that's You're great. blowing my mind with that. I was Don Diego never, De La Vega. Don Diego. That never... That was that, that was uh, Anthony Hopkins' character's name. Yeah. Don Diego De La Vega. Yeah. Yes. It's a good time. It's it? almost like... Yeah, it is. We saw that in the theaters, and every time they're like, De La Vega. We're like, yes! <laughs> That's us. He's talking about us. Talking about us. <laughs> That's my family. <laughs> this is about my family. <laughs> Are you guys learning this my history? <laughs> this really happened. <laughs> this is a documentary, guys. This is actually a documentary about my lineage. <laughs> we have so much gold. <laughs> <laughs> but also, because, you know, Zorro was a magician also. You did not know that. He also did magic. What? Yes. It was this in the, the gay blade? Yes, <laughs> in the old ones, yeah. They, because, you know, he came back from Spain, came back to, you know, and he was saying that, oh, I also learned sleight of hand. If you go to, like, back to those old, uh, those old Zorro movies, I forgot which one it was. But he's like, oh, yes, and I also learned, picked up some sleight of hand when I was over in Spain. It's all the rage. And he did mutilated fans. Oh, did, wow. He did, did the mutilated fan, and it was hilarious because it wasn't great <laughs> but it was so good because you're like oh they're just trying to show that he he has some secret skill yeah you know and fascinating yeah and 
yeah, that was the whole, like the bat cave, the Zorro cave. And just, I, I seem to remember at some point they were trying to make it that he had, you know, Zorro had, make it, made it look like he had magic powers. Huh. I, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of this, this weird specter figure that, okay. That's cool though. That's amazing. I'm super into that. Watch me stand up and get more whiskey. Okay. <laughs> Wow, great, Zorro. great form. Keep talking about my lineage. What <laughs> did you want? Uh, that one. That one's good. Um, yeah. So okay, so, yeah, so we did a Zorro theme. So we did a Zorro themed episode. Yes, what, so we talked about what makes a good magician. Ooh, what a sexy noise! I'm gonna enjoy listening to that later. Um, then, what is it, in your opinion, that makes a bad magician? What makes a bad magician, in my opinion? Yeah, and it can't be a lack of something. You couldn't say he's not doing things that inspire, move, or. Uh, no, well, touch. I don't. Okay, what what to me makes a bad magician? You know, what makes what to me makes a bad magician is somebody that is performing for themselves, mm-hmm. because magic, entertainment, it's never about us. It's never, it should never be about us. It should always be about the experience that we can give to the audience. I mean, same thing with being a magic consultant. It's, it's never about us. It's always about the person that we're trying to make look good. Yeah. You know, it, it's, I think that what makes a bad magician, in my opinion, and you can all just email me and tell me I'm wrong if you want to. <laughs> but in my opinion, what makes a bad magician is when they're, when they're selfish. Yeah. What makes a good magician is when they're selfless. That's it. It's, it's, it should always be about, not about making, like the magician making himself look good. It should always be about making the audience feel and experience something amazing. I think when people are vain and self-centered, I mean, you, you have to have a certain amount of vanity to be an entertainer. Sure. That's great. You know, that's, that people need that. And you need that to be a successful entertainer. But if that's all it is, if they're only aiming at that, I think that's what makes a bad magician. What do you, what makes a bad magician to you, Elliot? Uh, Ooh, I, plot twist. Uh, what? <laughs> Don't interview me. I'll let you do it. Uh, <laughs> but enough about you. Let's get back to me. Let's give me a, <laughs> no, what, really what makes a bad magician to you? I, well, I totally agree in, in selfishness and I'll, I, I told you it can't be a lack of something, and so I'm not going to impose that rule on myself. <laughs> but a lack of self-awareness. You know, somebody who isn't, they don't even know why they're doing it. Yeah. Which is, that's like this, it, it's kind of, it's like selfishness. Yeah. Because at that point, it's like, I'm doing this because I'm into it and whatever. And there's nothing wrong with that. No, there's not. But yeah. when you're... That's how we all started. Yes. But when... We, also, Okay, let's talk about this. At what point is it not okay to do those things anymore? At what point is it not okay to do magic that's just for yourself? Yeah. I think that there... No, it, it's, it's fine to do that. Okay, it, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah, it's always fine to do that. But yes. if you're doing that... If you're only doing magic that's for yourself and you're performing that for other people. That's my question. That's the problem. That's my question is yes. I, Cause I'm with you. Cause I mean, if yes, you can always do magic just for yourself. That's not a problem. But when you're performing and you're getting paid to go places and do magic for people. Yes. How should, should you 
even because I well I had this long conversation with Lisa about yeah. I was taking money before I should have been taking money. Oh yeah, I remember I heard that. Yes. Yeah, six hundred dollars. Yeah, <laughs> which was way I should have been getting twenty five dollars for those gigs. <laughs> I was so fucking arrogant. Um, it was. Am so fucking arrogant. <laughs> I have a podcast, Rico. I don't know if you know. I'm the most arrogant. <laughs> Wait, when did you get a podcast? Uh, Where did these mics come from? <laughs> How did I get this whiskey in my hand? <laughs> he is a magician. Um. Yeah, I, I, I. What's when is it okay? I don't know. That's a such a nebulous idea. When is it okay to just keep doing magic for yourself? To not to, when when it what's the threshold where you have to choose? Like I can't just do this for myself. I think that I think the answer to that is it depends. Yeah, uh, that's the answer to every question, really. Yeah, uh, it depends on the person because I've had long debates with people about this, and we we were sitting in. I was I was having this debate with Lu Chen, mm-hmm. name dropper. It's <laughs> Cyril and I were sitting there talking to Lu Chen and Mirko, name dropper. <laughs> I like how you didn't name drop. Cyril, <laughs> Lucian Mirko, but nothing about Cyril. Oh, but yeah. Well, well, I was name dropping him too. <laughs> but at one point, Chen was like, you know, he's very kung fu with his actions because I don't know if people know this, but that guy could probably kill a person with his bare hands. He's very, he's very strong. He's a little guy. He's very strong. But he's like grabbing his form with his fist and going, Rico, what is more important? I go, well, you, what, what's the question? <laughs> go ahead. A- ask me. You're scaring me right now. And he goes, what's more important, the effect or the audience? And I go, that's a stupid question, the audience. He goes, no, you're wrong. He goes, because the effect is everything. You have to make the effect perfect. And I go, that's great. But if you don't have anybody to show it to, then all you have is a great effect. Yeah. You can have a great. And I've had this argument with Xavier Spade, too. He's like, no, Chen's right. You got to have a great, you got to have a great effect. And that's, yeah. Yeah. But then if you don't have anybody to show it to, then it's just a great effect. Yeah. Then you're, then you're doing it for yourself, but they're right. They're, they're right. And they're wrong. I'm right. And I'm wrong. Cause the answer is it depends for everybody. It depends because when is it okay to stop, uh, to keep doing that? And when is it okay to stop doing that? It depends on the person. It really does. Yeah. I would, I would say, that you're all of you are wrong <laughs> and all of you are right. This interview and here's is why. over. And here's why is because you can't have a great effect without a great audience. You can True. do the most amazing effect in the world for a shitty audience and it doesn't hit them. It doesn't play. Sure. You have not made them into a good audience. True. So that effect is shit. It doesn't matter how impossible it seems. The effect is nothing happened for them. Yeah. True. So I'm with you. It's True. about the audience. It is about the audience. I learned something about you just now. Because what did you just say about the like the the audience? Oh man, I just, I have you have to. to make them into a good audience. Yeah, what was that? You had to make them into a good audience. Well, this is just a group of strangers yeah. until you turn them into an audience. They're there to see you, yeah. or not necessarily there to see you, but they are a group of strangers until you have formed them with your energy. And it's this. It's like love making. True. You know, you're seducing. Know like. Oh well, okay. Let me let me. <laughs> here we go, guys. I mean, I know exactly Birds what that's like, ladies. <laughs> I have hair. <laughs> oh. Oh. <laughs> uh, That's horrible. 
looking right at my eyebrows. Uh, I air my face. That's it. That's I'm smooth like a dolphin. I'm the fastest swimmer. I, got, I, got. <laughs> I don't chafe. Okay, I don't chafe. I don't chafe you, ladies. Sleek. So. He squeaks. How do you know this? <laughs> you know. Uh, <laughs> anyway, and we're back. Uh, yeah. Well, you have to. It's it's. These you have to make these people into an audience, and I'm just I'm just taking this from what I've heard comedians talk about and what I've seen comedians do. Yeah, it's like there's a group of strangers in the audience. They're there to see something happen, whether you pulled them over to see something happen or they bought tickets and came and got a sitter and they showed up. Yeah, they put in energy to watch what is ever is about to happen. Yeah, so they're and not if, an audience until the show starts. But until the show starts, they're a crowd. There are a group. There are, yeah, there are a group of strangers. There okay. are a group of individuals. An audience is one thing. It is it's it is a creature, and it will never be again. Once those you change one person, now it's a different audience. True. Yes. But it's just a group of strangers until they become an audience, and you Got are it. part of that that experience. Yes. You are part of that uh, uh, interaction. Yes. And so if you don't get them, because it's not their responsibility to become an audience, it's yours. Yeah. If you don't get them to open up, be open to whatever's happening, like you for, you know, one reason or another, if you don't set the mood, create the atmosphere in which they can become an audience, then whatever you do up there is meaningless and you have failed as a performer. It doesn't matter how pretty it is. True. Yeah. I'm on board with that. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Yep. Does it mean that there that a, a performer is a failure if their goal is to make people feel nothing and they don't feel anything? No, because they, as an audience, you still there. There, a performer is only a failure if the audience, if the group doesn't become an audience. If the group becomes an audience and the point is for them to feel wretched and disgusting and like they wasted their time, yeah, then the performer succeeded and they got a uh, an audience experience. Great. Got it. And as long as they're that's, that's aware, I like that. As long as they're aware of what that is and the intention of it, yeah, they're going to be on board with it. That's what a horror movie is, right? All right. They yeah. want to go get grossed out. They want to go get scared. Yes. And when you come out of a horror movie, people who were strangers are elbowing each other. Oh my god! Can you fucking believe he ate that guy's insides? You know, it's like <laughs> they've they've become. There's this camaraderie that comes out of sure. sharing an experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's cool. Yeah, I never looked at it that way. That's great. So, effect or audience, I'm with you. It's audience because effect is meaningless without the experience. True. So I don't care how perfect your pass is. <laughs> well, that's the thing. You're, you're, if, if, we're a, if we're doing our jobs, people should never know that it happened. Mm -hmm. it's, your pass should be perfect because people should never see it. Yeah. But the thing is, your past can be mediocre and people will never see it if your misdirection is good. Yes. So, yeah, you're right. Maybe it doesn't always have to be perfect, but there are people that do perfect passes and I'm jealous. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> me too. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Ugh. I stay awake at night thinking about perfect sleight of hand. <laughs> Gets me moist. Moist. Well. I wonder how many listeners don't like that word. Moist. 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 Ooh, that was a good moist. one. Do it again. Moist. Ooh, it moist. almost sounds moist. Ew, it does sound... Moist. <laughs> <laughs> that was terrible. Why would you make that sound? Now we can say whatever we want, because everybody turned it off at that point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> we now are down to one listener, and that's Lisa. Thanks, Lisa. We miss you, or maybe actually two listeners. Maybe Larry, Larry just tuned in. It's Larry. Larry's back. Larry, Larry stopped hitting fast forward, and he stopped at this point, and now he's back. Uh, well, Larry, you missed moist. <laughs> and we lost him. We just lost Larry again. He's like, that's so gross. I can't believe they're doing that. <laughs> again. <laughs> again. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Yay! We have three and listeners. Oh, yeah. If you haven't listened to Aussie's episode, uh, go through it and then tweet at Aussie. Hashtag Aussie won't stop talking. <laughs> Actually, it's Adam Rubin's episode, technically. Yeah. Oh. She seduced me with my own podcast. Oh. Well played, young lady. I need to listen to Aussie's podcast. You're, it's yeah, Adam so. Rubin's episode. Aussie just crashed it. <laughs> Aussie's hilarious. I, I love Aussie. He, that, that guy's a talented motherfucker. He sure is. <laughs> He's smart. That guy is smart. Um, Next question. How do you think our art is evolving? How do I think our art is evolving? Yeah. Let me just throw that softball to you. <laughs> <laughs> There's the the first thing that came to my mind is this thing that the Harari Franz Harari used to play this thing at the beginning of his shows because I used to tour with him, mm-hmm. and one of the coolest things that he said in there was that um, uh, science and magic, magic always has to stay. I'm, I'm paraphrasing here. Magic always has to stay one step ahead of technology. Yeah, right. So it essentially has to surf the wave of technology. Mm-hmm. And I think that the way ma- our, our art is changing is that we have to just keep up with that fucking technology because there's, you know, for a while now, even back with Jurassic Park, there were dinosaurs that are walking across the screen and it looked real. Yeah. How are we going to compete with that? Yeah, yeah. You know, because dinosaurs, dude. So we have to know what the technology is, know how people are going to react to that technology and then utilize that in a way where it doesn't feel like that technology. Yeah. It sucks because there's <laughs> – as soon as people are like, oh, Tupac is alive now because they're doing a Pepper's Ghost thingy. And, no, that's not right. They said Tupac is back at Coachella. We were there for that. It was, it was pretty fucking amazing. That's awesome. But they're like, Tupac is back and uh, they're doing a hologram. I'm like, no, people – it's not a hologram. It's <laughs> there's no such thing as a hologram just yet. You know, it's just – you can say it is. It's freaking Pepper's Ghost. So all these people were on board with all the Pepper's stuff. New technology. Everybody's doing, they're doing it over at Michael Jackson 1. Yep. Over it. And it, it's done well over there. You know, you're like, oh, great. There's Michael Jackson da- dancing with the cast. I'm like, oh, it's awesome. But there's still that little divide where you're like, that looks great, but it, it's still not. Oh, it's great technology. Yeah. But until they can get the peppers to where it's, it's like Uncanny like, Valley. That's the exactly. I was so glad you brought that up because I was about to say that and I didn't think anybody else would know what that is. But it is in, it, it is the Uncanny Valley. It's so real. It's so real. So real. And then it's unbelievable. Yep. And just trying to get that. Here's an example. Peppers is amazing when it's done right and when it's overdone it gives people a chance to go oh okay they get bored of it you know like that whole tupac thing was great but it was too long yeah um we were in london 
and we went to go watch because a friend of ours, Paul, you know, Paul Keeve. No, Paul Keeve is one of my idols, bro. Paul Keeve is a magic consultant for if you've seen magic in a London or Broadway musical, it was probably because Paul Keeve did it. It was either Keeve or Steinmeier or both of them together collaborating. But they did. Keeve invited us to go watch um, Ghost the Musical in London. Little backstory here, because Keeve told us about this. Paul was saying that they wanted to do a musical that was centered around magic. Yeah. And they kept looking for scripts and couldn't find anything. And somebody said, well, what about ghosts? And they said, great, let's wrap, let's wrap that script around the magic. Here's all the stuff that we can make amazing on stage. So the, the show was built as a magic show with yeah. a musical wrapped around it. That's fun. Which was insane because there was a ton of magic in there, which was really, really awesome. But they did the, they did a working blue room. There was a blue room on that stage and it was life changing. It was insane how good this looked because. Wow. Yeah. So for you listeners that don't know what's going on, blue room, just, just Google blue room illusion. Oh no, YouTube, go on YouTube and look up blue room illusion. You got to understand that this is an illusion that was created centuries ago. And people thought that they were, they saw ghosts. Yeah. People thought that spirits were real. And Paul Keeve and Ghost the Musical, they made the basically the world's largest working blue room to date in this musical that was playing 10 times a week, you know? <laughs> but the effect was, you remember at the end of Ghost, when you see Patrick Swayze's character appear to Demi Moore? Yes. And she can finally see him? Yeah. So picture this. Apartment... Right there. And wait, okay, hold on. Yes, go. This is that movie made into a musical? Yes. I was not aware that that is what the premise of this was. Oh, yeah. I thought you were just, you know, just there's a ghosts. Ghost. Yeah, a, yeah. No, ghosts. Oh my God. The movie Ghosts. Oh my God. Patrick Swayze, <laughs> Demi Moore, ghost. Whoopi Goldberg. Whoopi Goldberg. Oh my God. I got to see this. Okay. It was not a great musical. <laughs> But it was an it was amazing a great show. magic show. Okay. It was a really, really good show. All right. I'm on board now. Tell me. Okay. Finish so, your story. No, no, so, and we're back. Let's Tarantino this. So we're going back. Now, remember that part where Patrick Swayze's character finally see, get, becomes visible <laughs> to Molly, Demi Moore's character. Yes. Right? So they're doing that live on stage. You see the girl, the, the lady who's playing Molly crying on her knees downstage center in her apartment. And then on the back wall, which was an LED wall, and everybody knew it because they would do like change it to bricks or change it to sky or whatever. But it was just this tiny little room on this gigantic stage in her apartment. And it was a brick wall. And you see little sparkles happen on the brick wall. And we're like, oh, that's a cute little, oh, that's a really pretty video effect on that LED wall. Sparkle, sparkle, sparkle. And you start to hear the Patrick Swayze character's voice. And then you see him just start to materialize in the sparkles. And then he's there, and you hear the audience just go, oh, oh. And then he walks downstage and puts his hands on her shoulders, and you hear the audience just go, oh. Yeah, I just got chills. He came out of fucking nowhere. Wow. He materialized from nowhere. It was Blue Room, and it was gorgeous. It was so good that we actually lost 
a little bit of the dialogue between them that was going on because the audience was freaking out. They were still talking and mumbling and everything. Then they got back into the scene. And then at the end, when he's doing that whole thing where he's walking away, you know, backing up and saying, the love you have inside you, you take it with you, you know, that whole thing. Yeah. So he's walking upstage and she's looking at him. And then he finally says, I love you to her or whatever it is. Cause the whole ditto thing, you know, and then he just vanishes. He just dissolves into nothing. And the, and you can hear the awe that happens in the audience. Cause they're just like, Oh God, that just really happened. And we're, the, I'm there with Alex Rangel and Danny Garcia, and we're like hitting, and I think Blake Voigt was there too. And we're like hitting each other, <laughs> you know, going, did you, see, did you just see that? And it was beautiful. It was so beautiful. And that's why Keeve is one of my heroes. Oh, there's one scene in that movie or in that play. Do you remember that part where he finally realizes that he can't go through things? He's like, oh, Molly, come back. And he yes, reaches through yep. the door, and then his hand goes. So these two actors, the Molly character and the evil boyfriend, whatever, the evil friend character, they walk out the door, slam, and the Patrick Swayze character goes, no, Molly, come back. The door that they just walked out of, he grabs, he reaches for the doorknob, and he goes, and his hand goes right through it. And we just went, we grabbed each other and went, what? What? Uh. And he's reaching at this doorknob, and we're like, hold on a second. We just saw that door close, and they walked right through that door, and... Now they can't, now he, that character cannot grab that doorknob. His hand keeps going through it. And then he reaches his arm through and you just see him dissolve through the door. Now, I have an idea of how that happened, but I don't have an absolute, perfectly clear method of how it happened. I told Paul Keeve this, I go, don't tell me how that works. Yeah. Because that fried us, that it looks gorgeous. It looks so good. It's too bad it's gone. It was a bad. It was a, not a bad musical. It wasn't a great musical. Really good effects. It's like a black art stuff going on there. A lot of peppers stuff going on there. Really good. That's amazing. Oh god, I love magic. I think the first time I ever heard the words "Pepper's Ghost" was on Scooby Doo. Wait, they said Pepper's Ghost. I'm on pretty Scooby-Doo. sure Velma explains Pepper's Ghost on an episode. I need of to Google Dead. this right now because are you kidding me? Uh, no, I'm pretty because I, I can because yeah because there's an episode and it's in like the title credits for a lot of the episodes of like a ghost walking through the wall and at the end of the episode Velma's ghost it's Pepper's ghost and she like no. explains how they made the ghost walk through the wall. Oh. Somebody Google that right now and then find it for me and send it to me. Holy shit, that's great. You know what's amazing is I've probably seen that episode when I was kidding. I just forgot about it. That's great. Because they, the writers knew that people would just forget about it. Yeah. That's amazing. That's so cool. Peppers is great. We used Pepper's Ghost on Room 401. And we made... It was an MTV show, Hidden Camera Magic show that we did on MTV. And... We made this one kid, and I felt really bad at the end because the kid cried. He he actually oh, wow. he was actually terrified. Where he thought he saw, basically, this guy was helping us out. He runs this crime scene cleanup company, which is real. So after all the forensics are there, and they just come in, they clean up the crime scene. Yeah. And the guy who owned that company is like, "I want you to get my son." Like all right, we're going to freak your son out. So we set up this whole crime scene and everything. And there's this, he walks into this office and this uh, 
warehouse and there's that window where you can look into the warehouse from the office and what he sees through the window is a crime scene with a dead body on a gurney mm-hmm. right and then the dad is like okay calm down we're just gonna go and let me just go take care of some stuff son you just hang out here hang out with this and there's like a guy by the desk with some fake officer that was there detective dad leaves and we just wait until the kid looks out the window and he finally he's he's scared about being there yeah so he finally gets a grip and he looks out the window and he sees these cops detectives walking around this crime scene with this dead body on this gurney and then what he sees is the spirit of the dead body sit up out of the body and you see and we're watching the monitors and you see this kid's face and he bought it 100 so we just peppered peppers goes the shit out of this kid so this kid bought it he looked at it and you saw him go white and he almost started crying and he's like terrified and then the guy playing the dead body was actually david minkin (laughs) it was awesome so then he, like, the spirit, like, oh, no, he didn't play the dead body. He played the spirit. Uh-huh. There's already a dead body out in the gurney. So then he lays back down just as the dad walks back in. And the kid's like, I just saw. He's like, what are you talking about? He's like, did you see that? Did you see that? And one of the detectives is like, I know. Have you ever seen this much blood? I know. It's, I know. It's hard to handle. Hang out. We're just going to go take care of some more stuff. They leave again. The kid turns and looks, and then the spirit sits up out of the body again. The dad and another detective come and goes, do you see that? And the spirit looks at the kid straight on, holds his hand, finger up to his lips, and goes, shh. And, of course, nobody else can see this thing, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This kid lost it. He was like a body spirit, like the spirit walks away and everything like, like that. But the kid ran out. And he was outside crying. Wow. Because he saw a ghost. Yeah. I can only imagine what Pepper's ghost was like when the people who started it way back then, centuries ago, went, we got something good right here. And yeah, we're doing seriously. On stage. Oh, my God. They probably freaked shit out of people because it looked so good. It really looked great. And that's the Pepper's ghost lesson. <laughs> when you can... Get some glass. <laughs> <laughs> what is the role of a magician in our society right now? Because it used to be, because I just asked Mike Caveney this question. What's he, the role of a magician? What did Mike Caveney say? Well, <clears throat> so we were talking about vaudeville, and he was, you know, he mentioned that people back then were doing spirit cabinet and, yeah. you know, the spirit hand, and they were playing with that supernatural force. Oh my God, when he does spirit cabinet in his place. Anyway, never mind. I love Mike. <laughs> Go on. And, and, you know, like before that, we had shamans and medicine men who were magicians, but also used medicines. Medicines. (laughs) To enhance the effects of their magic. Are you talking about drugs? I am. I'm talking about the sacred plants. The sacred plants of the drugs. Yes. Got it. Drugs. Got it. Um, So what is the magician's role now? Is it trickster? Is it oh, wait, political activist? Because I'm curious to hear what, what Mike said about it. What was his what was his answer? Oh, I asked him about I asked him about the role at, yeah. at that time. Yeah. Uh, and he said, you know, this is what they were doing, and it was 
you know, that's what they, the realm that they played in. That was kind of, he didn't really give me an answer, but I don't know <laughs> that so I, 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 he is kind of cryptic. <laughs> and I was so like, he, it's like, it's like he, I, I want to be very careful about this. Cause I, I had the most moving experience of my life at his house. His house is great, isn't it? Um, it's so magical. It is unbelievably magical. I mean, oh. seriously, I had the most moving, powerful, emotional experience yeah. in my life there. Um, yeah, it was like he answered the question that me in an alternate universe asked, where, like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I was wearing different clothes that day. <laughs> it was, like, almost the question that I asked. <laughs> you know, it was so close. And I was like... Yeah, all right. <laughs> um, but I also, I like to, when I ask a question, I also kind of go into an answer, and yeah. then he kind of took it from there. So I don't fault him for that at all. Yeah. Because um, I was curious, yeah, because it was, we were, you know, there was a time when magic and religion was the same. Mm-hmm. Magic, religion, science, philosophy were all the same thing. Yeah. And then it kind of started splitting mm-hmm. off. Yep. And, you know, we had shamans and medicine men, and then we had spiritualists and uh, people who could talk to ghosts. And now we have, we had tricksters, and now what do we have? Entertainers. Okay. I mean, yeah, what is the role of a magician nowadays other than... Yeah, but that could be the role of a, uh, of a musician or a comedian. What is inherent to magic? What is it? Yeah, I mean, that's what it is. I mean, why is that a bad thing if we're in... Inter- I didn't say it was a bad thing. I'm I mean, just saying it's, like, it's not whoa, enough. Whoa, calm down. Why are you going to punch me right now? Slow down. <laughs> Put your fist down. <laughs> Take your hands off my throat. <laughs> no, I mean, it's like... It, I don't know. What's the role of a magician? I feel like it... I, I, I don't know. Gut. My gut says entertainer. Storyteller, my gut says, you know, that, uh, uh, a Sherpa, you know, Sherpa for an adventure. Um, I think that's a good one. What is Blaine? Conduit. Holy crap. I just said that. Blaine's a conduit. Blaine's a conduit for what is possible. Because he. As a person, and not just as a magician, but also as a person, he's able to make people believe that anything is possible. And it's mostly from the character that he created, mostly from the personality that he is. But he's more of a conduit to be like, oh, shit, this, holy crap, the stuff that you're doing is real. Whereas other magicians, it's like, oh, I love the magic that you're doing, the tricks are great and everything, but... If Blaine wanted to, he could start a religion. Yeah. You know, because he's, he's a conduit for belief. Mm-hmm. Because he's always skirting that line of, and that, that's why he named it Real, uh, Real or Magic. Yeah. He, he always wanted to make it a debate for people. Was that real or was it magic? And that's yeah. why when people don't really understand why he's doing stuff, like on his tour, which was really well done. I'm really proud of him. It was one of my favorite moments is he's doing the 10-minute breath. Did you see his his show? He does a 10-minute breath hold at the end of every show and tour. People go, why would I want to sit around and watch a guy hold his breath for 10 minutes? Oh, my God, it was amazing. 
because, you know, he's got a video playing or audio playing that, you know, two minutes has gone by. This is the time when blah, 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 Houdini's record, four minutes, blah, 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 blah. So you hear his voice, but you see him on stage in the tank of water. But you hear this external dialogue happening with people. And in about two minutes, people start giggling. They're like, this is kind of stupid. We're just going to sit here and watch this guy hold his breath. Yeah. Four minutes goes by. They go, he's holding his breath right now. He's, he's still holding his breath. About five or six minutes goes by. People are going, no, this isn't real. No, there's, there's got to be a trick to this. There's, no, this isn't real. So you hear this, this debate going on in the audience, which is amazing. And then at, I, I guess at around six, seven minutes, they start bringing audience members from the state, from the, from the crowd just up onto the stage to walk around the tank and to touch the tank. And you see he's under there. He's still holding his breath at eight minutes. And you're going, this is not real. And you hear it. This isn't real. There's got to be a trick to this. There's no trick to this. There's people up there and they're, they're inspecting everything. He's real. And then he just like kind of, nonchalantly flips upside down in the tank. So assume the Houdini water torture cell escape position, which he later said that it's more comfortable to be upside down at that point because the air is, it's easier to keep the air um, ah, yeah. down his belly, which is up. Yep. So yep, it's easier yep. to hold his breath upside down. <coughs> Excuse me. But then you get around to nine minutes, you're going, he's not going to make it. And you hear it. And by the time nine and a half minutes is happening, they're cheering for him. So it went from this whole moment of, this is stupid. Yeah. Into, holy crap, this is possible. Yeah. And then at the end, when he gets out of there, it's still, you hear, it's audible. You hear the debate going, that wasn't real. No, it was real. No, that was magic. No, that wasn't magic. That was, he just really did it. No, there's no way he really did that. There was a trick to that. It's genius. Yeah. It's, it's, oh, it's really genius. So like when I said that he's the conduit, he is the conduit to where he's the conduit for belief. He's, he's bending people's beliefs because as much as all the other magicians out there can deny it, Everybody else is entertaining, and he's and he's he's changing beliefs. Yeah, you know. But I think that the role for magicians nowadays should be conduit. It should be. Yeah. It it should be antenna. And I and that's something that Lauren Michael said to us, and what I would all when I'm working with Cyril out um, in Japan for his live shows. The last thing I say to him right before he goes on stage is I say, be the antenna. And when I first said that to him, he's like, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> and that's exactly what I said to my teacher. I'm like, I don't know what that means. And I said, it to him, I said, you're the antenna. You're the antenna for the audience. If you're watching a show or Broadway show or a musical or if you're watching a play or if you're, you're listening to a band, you know, if the artist is laughing, the audience is laughing. If the, audi- if the artist is crying, the audience is crying. You're a conduit. You are the antenna for the audience's emotions. That's, that's exactly what I mean when I say you have to make the audience. Yes. Yeah. They got it. 
You're right. Yeah. And that's what it is. It's like when I say to them, like, be the antenna, be whatever you want them to be by being that. And it's so strange because people don't normally get that because they just want to do good magic and do a good show. And I'm like, no, don't. You're already going to do that. Yeah. Just be Be you. (laughs) Just be. Remember that whole thing that we learned at Landmark that people shouldn't be called human beings. They should be called human doings. Did you know oh, that part? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I still believe because, yep. but all the all the all the impact moments in our lives, we weren't doing anything. We were just being. Yeah. When the strongest moments on stage are when the entertainer is just being themselves, even if though they're acting a role, if they if the audience gets that that character is just being, yeah, then that's where connection happens. That's where the best magic happens. So too many people are trying to do stuff. They're trying to entertain. I'm, try, I'm trying to do a good show. You no, know, you're gonna do a. Sh- you're gonna do a good show. Yeah. It doesn't matter. You're already talented. Yeah. You're. You're. They're already there to see you. It doesn't yeah. even matter. Just be you. And I keep telling that to people. Just stop trying to be anybody else. Yeah. Stop trying to be Blaine. You know. Yep. Stop trying to be Copperfield. We all wanted to be Copperfield. We all wanted to be Blaine. You know. They've got that down. (laughs) (laughs) Nobody's got that more down than they do. Yeah. Let them take care of that. Fucking find, find your own voice. Just find it and be it. Find it and be it. And be moist. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I was, I have uh, a big fan of masterclass.com. Wait a minute. Why are you a fan of masterclass.com? Uh, I'm sorry, I have that, that 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 touches me in the wrong way. Go ahead. Why? Really? <laughs> yeah. Why? Because Chris Gongor and I pitched the concept of master class seven seven eight years ago. To whom? To networks and production companies. <laughs> to we networks. go. Here's what we want to do. We want to do a thing called master class. Yeah. And we want to get the masters to come in. But here, forget it. I'm not gonna even going to talk about it. But <laughs> they said, "Oh, that'll never work." And we go, "No, this is what we're going to do." And now there's masterclass.com. Like. Motherfuckers, oh, and I love it. Up. It's amazing. It, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, you guys were visionaries, and no one believed you. No one believed us. I'm sorry. It's okay. Anyway, David <laughs> Mamet does a master class on uh, writing drama. What? I love Mamet. Oh, he's a, he's a master. He's a master. And he, he's very cut and dry, and he's very, he has hard opinions, and it's amazing. And one of the things that he mentions is, um, you know, when when... Uh, actors are trying to figure out who their character is and they yeah. come up with all this backstory. He's like, that's total horseshit. He's like, characters are what they do. He's like, you can come up with all that backstory and you know what that is? That's just wasting time. He's like, you have to get out there and you have to do the thing. But he says, you know, it goes back to Aristotle and he's constantly quoting Aristotle. Is he really? Yeah. And his character is habitual action. Who somebody is, is their habitual actions. Okay. And so when he's writing... You don't have to tell somebody who somebody is. You just observe the things that they're doing and the Ooh. things that they keep doing. And so if you can observe your own habitual action, you can capitalize on that in whatever show you're doing and whatever entertainment you are. That's what comedy is. That's what the best observation is. That's what Seinfeld is. Mm-hmm. What is the habitual action? Well, I like to complain when I have to wait in line. Let's make an episode of TV about it. Yeah. Or, you know, I'm... Wow. Whatever. 
Habitual actions. That's who you are. I'm thinking about mammoth movies, and you're right. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, that's great. That's really nice. Cyril was in a mammoth movie. What? <laughs> you didn't know this? No, I didn't know this. Cyril was in a mammoth movie, and the best part was he was miscredited. Oh, that's hilarious. It <laughs> was so good. Because Ricky Jay was a character was a one of the actors on this one movie called Red Belt. Do you ever see that movie Red Belt? No. Yeah, it was about MMA fighting. And they needed to cast a Japanese American magician and Ricky Jay's like there's this guy named Cyril. Get him on board. There's a real one. There's a real guy. <laughs> you gotta watch it. Oh my god, we're gonna pull up the scenes after this podcast. And okay, you're laugh your ass off. I'm gonna write down Red Belt. Red Belt. Watch Red Belt. You guys that are listening, YouTube Red Belt Cyril Takayama, and you're gonna watch some of the best stuff you've ever seen. <laughs> it's hilarious. It's so good. But it was um, he got miscredited because the. Cyril's name, his character name was Jimmy Takata. No, wait, Takata or Sakata? Jimmy Takata. And so when we went to go watch like a screening of it. Oh, my it God. Said, Cyril Takata. It said Jimmy Takata or whatever it is. Cyril Takata. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. Like, they totally got his name right. It was hilarious. Oh, my gosh. He's like, that's not even my name. I'm like, it's better that way. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. But he did magic on that in that movie. And oh, it was great because he had to do this one effect where he had to change the color of like one of these uh these little marbles. Yeah. And so we're sitting in the trailer in uh, Ricky Jay's trailer. Who by the way is a ridiculous sleight of hand. He's a ridiculous artist. So we're like, "Yeah, uh Ricky, so we have to do this on the set. So how how would you change these uh, white balls into black balls, these white marbles into white black marbles? He's like, oh, let me work on that for a second. He's doing all this sleight of hand stuff, and it's looking amazing. It's, oh, shit, that looked great. And he goes, what were you guys thinking? I'm like, oh, we thought of wanted to do this one thing. And you have to watch the video, but I'll just try to explain it without giving it away. But Cyril picks up this black marble, and he shows it to Ricky Jay, and he goes, and it turned white. And Ricky goes, well, fuck, just do that. <laughs> <laughs> it looked awesome. <laughs> and so we had to do that on set. And one of my favorite moments in that, so Cyril gets all up and ready for his scene. And I'm kicking way back. I'm sitting by, I'm standing behind the, the mammoth chair and I'm standing behind all like Cyril's chair. I'm not sitting in these doors. I'm not, I'm not part of this. You know, I'm just, I'm just here. Yeah. The guy behind the guy. Let me just stand back here. Starting up the shot. Mammoth's there looking at the monitors. He was looking really close because, you know, his, his eyesight's kind of bad. So he's looking at stuff and they're like running the rehearsal and he's looking at this stuff and Cyril on the, on the screen. And then he goes, stop, stop. Where's Rico. <laughs> where's Rico? I'm like, what, 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 did you, what, what, what did you say? He's like, where's Rico? I need Rico beside me. I'm like, oh, oh that's me. Ah, that's me. <laughs> I'm here, I'm here. I'm over here. <laughs> Who's got the box? I do. <laughs> He's like, Rico, I need you over here beside me. And I'm like Wayne's World with the, with the, the, the backstage pass. You know? I'm like, I'm Rico. Yeah, yeah. And he puts his arm around me. He's like, I need you right here beside me looking at this magic and making sure it looks good. I'm like, you got it. That's how that's supposed to work. Wow. <laughs> I'm like, you got it. And he's like there with his arm around me. I'm going, yeah. my inner geek's going, David Mammoth's 
got his arm around me. And I couldn't even pay attention to the screen because yeah. I can I can feel mammoth you breathing. You can smell him. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, yeah, I can smell <laughs> He's but right he smells there. Great. He, he smells like magic. <laughs> <laughs> he smells like master class. I get real weird about stuff like that. I hate to interrupt your story, but like any, any all, anybody, anybody who I'm really, who I idolize, I'm like, I wonder what he smells like. I wonder what she smells like. Isn't that weird? <laughs> no, because I wonder what Galga Dope smells like. I bet I bet there's sandalwood in there. Ooh, sa- oh, wow. Yeah, there's probably a little bit of sandalwood in there. Yeah. And hugs. Hugs. She must smell like hugs. Yeah. Yeah. And we're back. We're back, yeah. <laughs> Next question. That's a thing I, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> um, how fun is it working with your sister? It's... A blessing, actually. It's the best thing. What an awful question. Because now, like, she's going to listen to it. She's well, like, Rico terrible. didn't mean that. He's saying no, that because he's on the record. It, we used to we used to hate each other, you know? We used to, like, battle all the time. But yeah. when people, oh, tell me about your sister. And I always say, she's the better-looking, funnier version. She's the better-looking, funnier, smarter version of me. Yeah. And she is. Yeah. She's, she's brilliant. And she's... Yeah. She's faster with comedy than, than a lot of people that I know. I'm like, when did that happen? You know, when did you become so fast and so smart? And, and when I said, oh, it's a blessing, but it actually really is because we hated each other for a long time. Or we didn't hate each other. We just never really got along. But then when we started traveling and working together, then we learned really quickly that, oh, shit, we have to be a team. And it, to answer your question, what's it like working my, with my sister, it's amazing because when people ask me who i go to who who i consult Mm -hmm. i i would ask her questions yeah because she always has a different way of looking at things than most magicians she's super super smart and yeah i love her to pieces change the subject now (laughs) moist no but really she's she's ridiculously smart when it comes to magic and a lot of the times I'll be like, oh, why don't we, when we're working on projects together, consulting together, I go, oh, let's do this. And she'll go, mm, no. And I go, why are you opposing me? In my brain, I'm like, why are you opposing me right now? What, why? And she go, I, I think that wouldn't work because of this, but maybe we should try this. And I go, oh, yeah, you're right. That would actually, that, that would work really well. Yeah, yeah, it's good. That's fun that you can get out of the way of that, too. Getting out of the way of yourself. It's never about us when it comes to consulting, dude. Yeah. It really isn't because that's the whole thing. We, When it comes to our consulting team, it's like it's always yes and. It's always bounce, 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 bounce. And every now and then, like I'll get butthurt every now and then when I'm like, oh, I've got a great idea. And then we'll work on it. And then it'll turn into, oh, but this is slightly different and maybe better. And then I'll fight for my idea. Mm-hmm. But then I'll... I used to fight for my idea and I used to get pissed off that my idea wasn't being used. But then I realized it's not about my idea. Yeah. It's about the team and making this one person look great. Yeah. So the best stuff always comes with collaboration. It's never my idea is the best because I've never gotten to a point where I've never had it happen where this is my idea. This is the best idea. Yeah. Ever. I'm not, actually, let me, let me think about that. I've never been, this is my idea, it's the best idea, because 
it would always be here's an idea, and then somebody else would throw something else in, and then somebody else, and then it turns and the into, whole is bigger than the sum of the parts. Yeah. yeah, it's so good, and it's like when I consult for other people, and I don't have like Lisa there or Danny there, then it's like, or Marcus or Jesse or like when I don't have these people there, it's like what now I have to think what would they do? Yeah. And I always have this little Lauren Christopher Michaels on my shoulder because I would go, what, what, what would Lauren do? What, how, how would he handle this? Or what would his idea be? Or, but that's just it. It's always, it's never, how would I handle this? It's always, what would the collective group have thought about this? And what would they think about this? It's always a collaboration. And I think that's my favorite part about consulting is that you can throw out a stupid idea you can spitball and go, hey, let's do this thing with a blue whale. <laughs> <laughs> Holy crap. Yeah, we could do this thing with a blue whale. By the way, we're doing nothing with a blue whale. Shh. There's no- but you shouldn't either because we might want it one day. <laughs> uh, yeah. Damn it. <laughs> Don't do anything with a blue whale. We I'll just blue- take that part out. But honestly, seriously, how, how has, has anybody, have you ever seen anybody do something with a blue whale? Not a blue whale. Exactly. Hasn't been done before. We're going to do that. There you go. Yep. Now people are going to steal that. Uh, what are some common pieces of advice that you totally disagree with? Common pieces of advice that yeah. I totally disagree with? Yeah. Like one for me is uh, not that I totally disagree with in every situation, but one that I personally for myself or for the people whom I am trying to help one piece of advice that is common that I take umbrage with is come out and hit them with something strong quick. There is the, tw- I remember that there was a 20 second rule that you got to hit people hard in the first 20 seconds or they, or else you lose them. Yeah. I mean, cause that's true for the internet. You know, there's a two click rule. If you, if your customer can't find what they're looking for in two clicks, they're going to find, they're going to look someplace else. Yeah. So I'm kind of on board with that, but that 20 second rule and hit them hard with something does not have to be a magic trick. It can be an effect or something that you, how you make them feel because if you hit them hard with personality in the first 20 seconds, that's the same thing as hitting them hard with a magic trick. If you can connect in the first 20 seconds, like we always talk about this. Lisa and I always talk about this and there's this magic show in <clears throat> in Ginza in Japan that is my favorite magic show on the planet. We've talked about this with you before. Have we talked about this with you before? I don't think so. No. It's our favorite magic show on the planet. Cyril took me there this one time. He's like, Oh, my friend Hide Yamamoto owns this bar called Half Moon over in Ginza. Let's go watch him. Like, oh great, it's this teeny tiny little bar. Seats maybe a dozen people at the bar. And then he's the bartender and he comes out and he does this show. And in the, at the end of the show, the first time I watched it, I'm in tears. I'm crying. Wow. Because I felt so good. When was the last time you've cried at a magic show? Uh, almost exactly a year ago. Which happened when? It was New Year's Eve at the Magic Castle. Yes. And it was Mike Pachata. Oh, my God. See, exactly. Mike can do that. Yeah. But why? 
Uh, why was because uh, it was my first time my dad was at the Magic Castle and was seeing Mike Pachata. Yeah. He was a friend and also an amazing magician. Yes. And so I was, it was the whole experience of the evening. It was all of it. It was all of it. It was a perfect storm of, of wonder and, yes. and a culmination of, you know, decades of practice on Mike's part. A decade of practice on my part, yeah. moving out to get all these decisions and you know everything coming together for my dad to be yes. able to be in that moment and me to be there with him and this whole. Oh, that's great. So yeah, it was it was a whole huge experience. That's great, awesome. So that's good. You did cry at a magic show. Yeah. So I cried at this magic show, and I said and the first thing I said afterwards, Cyril goes, "What do you think of this show?" I go, "Lisa needs to see this show." Yeah. And so the next year, we brought Lisa out to Japan. You have to watch this one show. Tears. Lisa was in tears. She goes, this is the best magic show I've ever seen in my life. A couple years later, Larry and I, Larry Fong and I went out to, <laughs> out to Japan. And we're like, Larry, you got to come watch this show. Here's the quote from Larry Fong, who was standing in the back because everything was filled. All the seats were filled. Larry and I were standing in the back behind these 12 people at the bar. Larry was in tears. Like, what would you think? He said, this is the show that every magician on the planet needs to see. It was that strong. And then so we started bringing everybody that we could to see this show. Henry Evans, tears, crying, just, and he went back the next night. You know, every, basically everybody that we take there. And it's not because of the magic. He's, he does some amazing, amazing magic. But to go back to what you were saying, he connects yeah. right away. Right from the beginning, you love this guy. And what a lot of people don't realize is that, I mean, we've seen the, I've seen the show like a couple dozen times, but he starts out really upbeat, chipper, and happy. So he starts out youthful. And then as he goes through the show, he matures. Wow. So at the very end of the show, now he's talking like this. And he's saying these things to Adam. You don't even understand what he's saying because he's speaking in Japanese. But you're watching these people that understand Japanese start fucking crying. And I'm going, what's he talking about? Because I don't even know. And I'm crying. You know, yeah. But you just feel this connection with him. And then he does a floating rose routine with a little kicker and like this little piece to it that I'm not going to tell you about because you got to go see it. But, like, oh, it's just doing a floating rose. But the story that he's telling that I don't even understand... But then tie that in with the music that's playing and the little adage that he put onto it. You're in tears at the end. And it's amazing because he matures. He goes from youthful and happy to wise and loving at the end. You know what? What an obvious premise that I've never heard of before. What's that? That being youthful and chipper and upbeat and then at the end, you know, that literal progression. It's the life progression. It's the life progression. How obvious could it be? Never yeah. seen it. Never heard of it. <laughs> it's, 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 it's genius. genius. Bro. It's genius. It's genius. Because you feel that and you're all happy with me. I can feel it imagining it. Yes. I can't imagine what it's like in the room. It's insane. And How by lovely. End, by the end, people are just in tears. Yeah. Like we brought our friend JB, you know, JB Dumont, right? Yeah, like yeah. Jean Baptiste, right? Yeah, yeah. We brought him there and we're like, you got to, everybody that we bring to the show, they cry. He's like, yeah, you know how JB is. Like, uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Swear to God, dude. 
We're sitting there watching him, and he's off to the side, and he's got his hands, he's got his chin in his hands, he's watching this thing, and he's like, you see his finger creep up to his eye, and just <laughs> trying to quietly wipe a tear away from his eye, right? He didn't want to sing. He's like, ah, oh, I'm not going to cry during this. Yeah. He didn't want to sing, sing him cry. But at the end, he was in tears. And we're like, what you think? And he turned to us. He goes, we're doing magic wrong. Yeah. He said that. He goes, we're doing magic wrong. And I go, I know. This is the way we should be doing magic. Yeah. Ask Arpal. Arpal was there. He said, well, not there with us, but he saw it. And yeah. he put him in uh, our magic. Yeah. That he, that he had a, uh, Hide had a little feature in that. But ask Arpal. He's, he, he, he knows. Every, people know that this is, Hide is doing a thing that, a lot of people are missing out on and what they're missing out on is making that connection, being that antenna Yeah, is really just taking, you're like, Oh, I love this guy. I'm on this ride and he gives you his heart and you go, okay, I'm going to give you my heart back. And then he takes your heart and he's like, I'm going to carry this heart. And I'm going to love it and I'm going to nurture it and I'm going to take it for this beautiful ride. And at the end, you're like, I'm so glad I gave you my heart. And I seriously, that's what it feels like. Wow. It's, we got to go to Japan just to watch that show. I'm down. Let's seriously, man. It's so good. It's, it's, it's great. What's happening here? You're empty. <laughs> I love, I cry a lot. I cried at Mike's house. <laughs> <laughs> I cried at Mike's house. Are you kidding me? <laughs> uh, so... I ugly cried at Mike's house. Wait a minute. Did you really? Yeah. Like sobbing? Yeah. To, what happened? No, I can't tell you on the podcast. I have to know. I'll tell you. Tell me afterwards. I will. Because um, you ugly crying is hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> I've never seen you ugly cry. I know. It doesn't happen very often. It happens freak, fairly frequently, but not... Especially when you're watching Batman Forever. Batman Forever does it for me. Just Jim Carrey in that tight green spandex outfit. Oh, I ugly cry man. every time. I ugly cry every time he says sucking on your brain. <laughs> no, wait. What's that line he says? You can say it. Sucking on your brain. What is it? Because <laughs> uh, that's, that's how he does it. It's in that little jingle. Yes. Because he uh, says, I'm vacuuming cortex. Yeah. I'm sucking on your mind. Feeding, feeding on, on your cortex. brain. Feeding on your brain. Feeding on your brain. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. We should ask Chris Gongora. He knows it. <laughs> I just watched it, too. I should know it better. Um, well, we're getting close to two hours. Oh, you know what? This has is been, funny. Has it been two hours? Yeah, almost. So I didn't, I didn't know that you had done Landmark, but look what I wrote down. I said, what is it that you tell yourself that gets in the way? And then I put act in parentheses what is it that i tell myself that gets in the way yeah what's my racket what's your act what's my act yeah well they changed it to act yeah it used to be racket well no a racket is a story that you tell you but the act is a thing okay hold on i don't want to get into it on here okay my that was the question my question is what is the thing that you tell yourself that gets in the way of progress i'm not good enough okay that's exactly what it's 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 I I always have this thing in in the back of my head that says that I'm not good enough. Is it imposter syndrome? Do you feel like you shouldn't? Why am I here? I should, I don't deserve to be here. I'm just Rico. I've I yes yeah. Short answer is yes, and then I realize that wait a minute I am supposed to be here. Yeah 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 yes. And no wait a minute, 
I'm here because I am good enough. Yeah. So, but but that's the that's the uh, that's always one of the first questions that, or one of the things that I say to myself is like, "Crap, I'm not good enough." Because I I surround the only reason why I feel like I'm good at anything is because I surround myself with people that are better than me at a lot of things. Yeah. I surround myself with amazing, amazing magicians. So that's why I always feel like, oh, maybe I'm not good enough at this. Maybe I'm not good enough at that. But then I slowly start to realize that they're doing the same thing, (laughs) (laughs) you know, and that makes me feel good. Yeah. So, yeah, to answer your question, that's what it is. the The question that always gets in my own way is I'm not good enough. The end. Yeah, what gets in your what, what question gets in your way? Well, so I have. Uh, why do I hate magicians? That's why do I hate? I, know, I have the answer to that. It's because they all suck. Um, <laughs> so that's not even a question. No, no question about it. Nope. <laughs> the case is closed. Jury's back on that one. Um, the, uh, yeah, I have I have imposter syndrome, uh, which is. Basically, what you said is like, I'm just a, I'm just a kid from Louisiana. I, yeah. don't, I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. And I have a podcast? Who let that happen? <laughs> Anybody but, can get a podcast, really. That's true. But, <laughs> unfortunately, for the listeners. Uh, but, at the same time, it, so, it, as far as I understand it, imposter syndrome is the cognit- cognitive dissonance that occurs... Between your feeling and your knowledge. I feel like I'm not good enough. I feel like I don't belong here. I feel like this is a mistake. But I know I'm good enough. I know I belong here. I know I did the work. I know I have the experience. I know that I know my shit. I just feel like I don't know my shit. Because everybody else else around me knows their shit better than I do. Well, yeah. But that feeling is often like, you know, when that happens, you always ask yourself, well, how's that working out for you? Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. And I always have to keep telling myself that is if I fall back into a pattern when I, oh, yeah, I feel like I'm not good enough. But then why? I I always keep asking myself why I keep lying to myself like that. Yeah. Because yeah, I, I've, I don't know if you've seen it, but like on my little Twitter handle, it says maybe not better than some magicians, but I can make some magicians better. Oh, that's nice. And that's my belief. Like, there's a lot of magicians out there that are a shit ton better than I am. Yeah. But I feel like I can make magicians better. Absolutely. Yeah. So that's that's my belief system. And when I say, oh, I'm not good enough, it's like, well, I am not good enough compared to other people in other areas. Yeah. But I'm really damn good at, at, at helping other people get become better. That's really interesting. Because, you know, I think most people... Or one way or the other. There are a few people that can do both very well. But it's, you know, it's difficult to remove yourself from, which, I mean, you, you know, you've you've mentioned this several times, which is when you're consulting, it's not about you. It's not about what you want. You're making the thing better. The whole's more than the sum of the parts. Um, but I love people like I love you, Rico. Oh, damn it, Ellie. We're not there yet. <laughs> not there yet. No, not yet. You do, um, you do touch me in a way that a man just should not be touching another man. Get your hands off me. Oh, How man. dare you? Is that your foot? <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's not my foot. Uh, <laughs> oh, man. Um, dog get here? It's, uh, shit, I lost my train of thought for the bit. Um, 
Oh, it's interesting to me. I love people that can look at something else and selflessly go, here's how that can be better. And I'm not always right. I always say, here's how it might be better. Yeah. I'm not always right. I will I will 100% always go, you know, I was wrong. I oh, totally that's, pay more ownership yes, to that. that's so important. I can't stand it when people can't own ownership or take ownership of mistakes. Yeah. Just take ownership. That's yeah. it. And I will take ownership of mistakes and be like, wow, guys, I'd like to, I said that on our project earlier, like a couple of weeks ago, I'm like, guys, I'd like to announce that I was completely and totally wrong. And I own up to that. And they're like, no, you're good. And I'm like, no, but I was way wrong. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't life threatening or anything, but it was, Yeah. I thought I was right, and it was horribly. He wild. has less fingers now, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe just a few, maybe fewer fingers in the right hand, but it's okay. Yeah, it's okay. Nobody died. Yeah, yeah. And and it's also so important. And it, this is in the same vein: is to say, I don't know. I have no problem with saying I don't know. Yeah, or help me. <laughs> but what I do have a problem with saying I don't know is because there's that Disney model for Disney cast members. Where the Disney cast members are not allowed to say, I don't know, to a guest. Yeah. You know, if somebody says, hey, how do I get to, or what time is this, blah, 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 blah. They're not allowed to say, I don't know. They should, what they have to say is, that's a great question. Let me find out an answer for you. Yeah. And I like taking that approach. Uh But the first thing that always falls in my mouth is like, I don't fucking know. (laughs) (laughs) I "I don't know, but I'll find out for you. Yeah. And that's the thing. It's like, people go, oh, why don't you just do this? And I don't like it when... When, hey, how do we do X, Y, Z? And then somebody comes along and says, this is how you have to do it. Yeah. And I go, great. Are there alternatives? Yeah. Like, well, no, this is the way to do it. Okay. I'm, I love that you're so, you have certainty about that. I, I, I've experienced some bad things in the past with that. So can we maybe explore little options to that? Yeah, yeah. But what scares me about... When people, when consultants or anybody else, like when they give input and they say, oh yeah, all we have to do is this. Yeah. Mm, that, <laughs> that scares me because yeah, all we have to do is that, but there's also all these underlying things. Yeah. It's way oversimplifying something. Yeah. yeah. I don't like oversimplifying things. Oh, that's so, that totally easy. Yeah. I don't ever want to say that to people. I don't say, Oh yeah. That's a piece of cake. Yeah. I can always say. You're somebody, an undersell over deliver kind of guy. Well, I, that's the only way to do it though, because if you oversell and under deliver then you're shit then you're shit i don't ever i don't think i i don't ever want to be in a position where people say well you told me this yeah and i got this yeah because i've been in that position yep and it's always been a miscommunication it's always been like no 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 no. i never said that what yep. i said was this and you heard this you're you interpreted it as this oh god that happens that that happens a lot which is why i don't like that happening yeah yeah I'd rather go, this is what needs to happen. This is the way I see it happening. This is the way we see it happening as a team. X, Y, Z. But you said this. No, 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 no. We exactly said X, Y, Z. But this is happening now. Right. Which is why we said X, Y, Z. <laughs> and we saw that stuff happening way before it was gonna, was even coming. Yeah. Yeah. I think that for consulting and and, and I don't... I was talking to a bunch of people about this. They're like, what does it take to be a consultant? And, I, and 
Garcia and I were talking about this. We were saying, I don't think we want to be called. I, I, I told him, uh, we're at Magic Live. I go, I don't think I want to be called a consultant anymore. He's like, you know what, me too. Why do you say that? I go, because everybody's a consultant now. Yep. Everybody's a consultant. Yep. And if everybody's a consultant, then nobody is. I just want to be able to be like, okay, yeah, you have an idea of what a consultant should be is great. Go for it. But I don't feel like what your idea is what I'm doing. So it's a, it, it's tough. I'm, I'm in and out of this thought process a lot in the past few months. Interesting. Yeah, because there's a lot of people that say, oh, I consulted on this. Oh, I've consulted. Yes, you have. Yes, you have. You have. You're not doing what I'm doing. I mean, not not without any conceit or no. You're you know, no. It just it just objectively objectively. Is like, a I don't feel thing. like you're doing what I'm. What we are doing. Yes. You know, what we what we're doing is. Consulting. Did you did you? Well, I don't want to say. I don't want to get specific. But you worked with somebody. Yes. And you helped them create a thing. Yeah. And you were a consultant for that thing. Wow, this is very vague, and I love it. I Keep have going. a friend. Yes. Who gave some notes and pitched an idea and goes, I consulted for that thing. Yes. And I go, okay, sure you did, <laughs> but you didn't. Yes. That's not what that means. Is that kind of what you're talking That's about? That's kind of what I'm talking about. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw out, so here's a young lad that wants to learn. Let me, te- let me try to treat him the way my magic teacher would have treated me. So at the end of every day, I said... What did you learn today? Yeah. As we're cleaning up. What did you learn today? He goes, oh, well, I learned this. Oh, And one day, as we were leaving the, uh, this One Illusion Builder's warehouse, late at night, get in the car. I'm driving. We're driving off. And we're tired as hell. And I go, good work today. He goes, thanks, man. I go, what did you learn today? And he goes, I think I learned the difference between a consultant and a contributor. And I'm like, turn the wheel. <laughs> pulled over to the curve, shifted it into the park, turned the engine off, and I go, I would be very curious to hear this answer, right? <laughs> what do you mean? And he said, well, I think there's a lot of people out there that contribute magic, that contribute ideas that say, you should do this, or you know what, hey, try this. He goes, but what I see that you are doing and what you guys do, meaning like me and Garcia and Lisa, mm-hmm. and like what I see what you guys do is you not only contribute ideas, but you're tailoring the ideas for the performer at the same time you're crafting the performer. And I think that no, that some people may not be doing that where they're just contributing. Yeah. And my brain exploded, and I've never even thought of it that way. Like, good job, dude. <laughs> I started the car back up, and we drove off. But I go, yeah, because like you said... There are people out there who are like, oh, yeah, I consulted on this. Yes, you you technically consulted on this. Yeah. But what you did was you contributed. Yeah, exactly. I think that people do consult. But I feel like I don't want that title anymore because I feel like what we do is slightly different. Not to, And I'm not saying that with any ego or conceit. I just feel like what we do is slightly different. And that's why consulting is it's such a loose term nowadays. It's, it feels really, really loose. You know that what term I mean. is the village bicycle. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> it really is. Yeah, but you know what I mean. And, and some of your listeners might know what I'm talking about, and some of your listeners will, will disagree with what I'm talking about. 
But that's just how I feel about it. And you can argue with me all you want. And I'll say you're right. Just to stop the argument. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Let me look at my notes. Good magician, bad magician. We did that. Yes. Two of them are sitting right here. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Consulting, we did that. Art, we did that. Working with sister, we did that. Oh, how do big breaks happen? As someone who's been building magic for face name people, how do what are the big breaks and how do they happen? So, for example, how do my big breaks happen? Not yours. How do how do big breaks? Happen how do big breaks for happen? anybody? For anybody, um, what is it? What's that? What's that old saying that old, like when when luck and preparation? What is it? Luck is opportunity meeting preparation. Luck is opportunity meeting preparation. Yeah. And so I feel like I've been lucky a lot of the times. Yep. But then I'm also under the school of thought where luck is the last dying wish of a man who thinks that it happens. <laughs> he needs luck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it happens by accident, you know. It's yeah. Like, no, it's – it's. I'm very fortunate because – I have been very, very lucky that it snowballed for me because we got Chris Gongora and I, when we created them, the Totally Hidden, totally Hidden Extreme Magic show for NBC, we found the right people at the right time. Yeah. Made that work. Yeah. Great. Hidden Camera Magic show. Yep. First Hidden Camera Magic show out there. And then after that, because we brought Cyril on board for that show. Because, you know, we just wanted all of our friends on the same TV show. Yes. And Cyril's like, that was a lot of fun. I'm doing a special over in Japan. Can you help me with that? Great. So I went over there and helped him with that. Then they asked him to do a second one. And I said, oh, we're out of material. Okay, we got to think of new stuff. So that kept snowballing snowballing. So then after about the third or fourth special that he did, I lucked out. Because people saw my name in the credits and they go, oh... Cyril used this guy. Let me call him. And I go, great. I'll help you out however you want. Yeah. So I've been lucky in the sense that I don't have a website. Mm-hmm. I don't promote myself. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't go out. Do you remember there. what I said the first time we met? You said, damn, you're a good looking gentleman. I did say that. You did? Yeah, I did say that. <laughs> I can't remember. That is, that is what I said. We met... <laughs> We met after Ryan and Amber's show at Hooters. Yes, I remember that. I remember that. I remember you walked. We met before Ryan and Amber's show at Hooters. I don't walked up. that. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah, it was before. It was not after. It was before. Yes. Um, and I said to you, I know who you are. I don't know anything about you. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. You <laughs> and I think I may have said, same. Same. <laughs> <laughs> And then um, I complimented you on your suit because it was very nice. Oh, thank you. <laughs> but that's, that's, yeah. I was just that, you know, you saying you don't have a website, you don't promote yourself. That's just what came to mind. When no, you yeah, that. that's exactly it. It's like, I don't, I, I, I don't push myself onto people. If mm-hmm. people want me to help, I'll do my best to try to help them. I, I love working with people who want to do something for the art. Yeah. I'll always try to help people go, oh, I want to I, I want to do this and make this different or I want to try to change this. And like, well, I'm the wrong person to ask. <laughs> you know? But if you want to make you different, if you want to change you and make you better, yeah. then I'm totally down for that because I don't know how to change the art. 
Yeah, yeah. I know how to change a person mm -hmm. or I know how to change the perception of a person or I'd like to think I know how to change the audience's perception of a person. So I, I love helping out that way. Yeah. Yeah. It's not, it's not so much. I, like I said, not better than some magicians, but I can make some magicians better. Yeah. It's, it's, I really believe that. It's beautiful. <laughs> Thanks, dude. <laughs> <laughs> um, shit. I forgot what I was going to say. You were going to say how awesome thing. this podcast is going. It is going so well. I have had such a blast. You were going to say this is a better podcast than Lisa's podcast. It is. Don't let her hear you say that. <laughs> <laughs> Lisa, I'm just kidding. I said that just for you. Oh, my God. Oh my I'm God. so sorry. Did I love you. That? Is that her at the door now? <laughs> She's here. <laughs> She's out of nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> um. <clears throat> oh. I remember what I was going to say. Uh, this was advice. So my favorite comedian is Pete Holmes. And this was advice that Jim Gaffigan gave him. Pete used to open for Gaffigan when they would go on tour. And Gaffigan said, keep your head down and don't be a dick. And when you just take a simple statement like that and you unpack it, do the work, be a guy that people like to be around, and you, I mean, that is how careers are made and won is because you're a hard worker, you're doing what you think is right. And like, if you are honestly, genuinely doing things with well intent and you're doing them to the best of your ability, nobody can fault you for anything, yeah. even if you fuck up. Yeah. And if you're fun to be around on top of it, like you are, and like a lot of people Thank that you. I am blessed to have in my life. Yes, everybody wants to work with you. So when you say that you're lucky, yes, they could have called somebody. They could have not seen Cyril's name and saw another name and did the thing. But, you know, you did work on all the specials and you brought Cyril into the into them. And you did. You know, I mean, it's like it's all this stuff. You just kept your head down. You did the work because you loved it and you were doing what you thought was right. And then fucking doors open up. And it's like finding your bliss. Yeah, right? it's a Joseph Campbell thing where you just do what it is that resonates with you, and then the universe responds in kind. That's it, dude. Seriously, I just—that's exactly what you're saying. I I get so much more joy when my friends are succeeding. Oh my god, me too. It makes me so happy. Yeah, when I see like like our entire cast from them, when I see all of them doing their thing and just being happy and successful and kicking ass at magic and stuff that that makes me feel so good you know it's like i i love that and i love if if at any point any one of them can say hey can you help me out with something yes maybe i can i'll do my best yeah yeah i'll i'm always down to help out people that want to further the art especially my friends but you're right it's keeping your head down and I'm not keeping my head down because actually, yeah, I'm keeping my head down because I want to. It's, you know, the whole guy behind the guy thing. And yeah. Pay no attention to that man behind the curtain. <laughs> <laughs> you know? It's because I did want to. Somebody once asked me, it's like, why did you want to be a consultant? I'm like, I didn't. I wanted to be on stage. I wanted to be the guy in front of the camera. Yeah. I, I, I wanted that. I wanted to be the star. Then I realized that there's so many better, so many people out there that are more equipped to be that, that I can help. Yeah, be that. 
and I found that that's better for me. I've I've, I've kind of because you know I'm up there in age and I've kind of let that go. I don't. You don't look a guy. day over thirty. That's because I'm Asian, and age don't age. <laughs> <laughs> you laugh. It's true though. I'm ninety four years old. Wow. Yeah. Oh, it still work. I mean, it it still yeah oh ish. <laughs> Yeah, it still works ish. <laughs> what are you talking about? Uh, are you talking about my penis? Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> you brought it up. I did not. You did. You no. said it's still working. They couldn't see my hand. Crotchness. They couldn't see my hand. You pointed at your crotchness area. No such thing happened. Edit. <laughs> <laughs> What's the time code? Let me take that out. Um. But what else? But, but you it. well, you were saying that you you wanted to be the person in front, but it's better for you that you're behind the scenes. Why is that? I don't know if it's better for me, but it feels better for me. Uh huh. You know, it's just I've there's a lot of things that I've wanted to do in magic. There's a lot of effects that I've wanted to do, but it just turns out that oh, why don't why don't you do this? Because I've I thought about that, and you know, not all of them are gems, you know, and stuff, but. There are people who've had more opportunity to be able to get their uh, something seen either on TV, internet, cable, whatever. Yeah. Where I don't have that. Uh, I, I, I don't have that ability or I don't have that conduit. I, I, I just am not able to get there because of whatever the reasons are. But then there's people there that have that ability that they're in the door. They've got their foot in the door and they're already walked through it. It's easier for me to get my ideas or our ideas through them, yeah, through those people. And it's it's more fun that way. There's less pressure having to be in front like on the camera. Sure. But there's still a ton of pressure being behind the camera and making sure that that person still looks good cuz they got to be on camera. Yeah. That's a ton of responsibility, but it's also a lot of fun. Because when you see them succeed at it, like I said, I'm I'm really happy when I see my friends succeed. So when I see somebody that I'm working with nail it or just do something that just kills the audience, that's that's my that's my drug right there. Yeah. Because I always used to say, What are your feet Elliot, I have a question for you. Here we go. What are your two favorite sounds? What are my two favorite sounds? Yeah. Ooh. Okay, I have to not say the joke ones. Um, <laughs> uh, my two favorite sounds are... Oh, wait, I'll stretch it out. What are your three favorite sounds? That way it broadens it a little bit. Yeah. I think my three... F- my One of my three favorite sounds is silence. Mm-hmm. And then hearing coffee pour into a mug—that's great. Or you know, or a bottle pouring into a glass. Yes. Just silence, and then the the sweet tinkle of a liquid in mm. A, mm. into a, a chalice of some sort. Yes. That's one of them. Another one is laughter. I love really raucous, disgusting laughter, and I love electrified silence. That's cool. Because that's a sound. That is a sound. It's like a a lack of. Yeah. Yeah. That's a sound. It's the absence of. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. I think those are probably my three favorite sounds. That's awesome. 
I have three favorite sounds. What are they? Number one is my mother laughing. Oh. Right? It's the funniest thing. It's the best thing on the planet. I have to make her laugh. It's, it's so good. So aside from that, laughter, like you said. Yeah. Laughter is an amazing, amazing sound. Because when people are laughing for real, they can't fake that. When they're being authentic. Because when you're authentic, you can't be inauthentic, right? Yep. Yep. So authentic laughter is one of my favorite sounds. Oh my God. It's so good. And authentic applause. Oh yeah. Yep. Like I love, even if it's not for me, I love hearing applause for other people. Yeah. Like when we're, when we were watching Hamilton, Mm -hmm. for example, and when people People are just just losing their shit and they're like, their hands are bleeding because they're just like, they're like, I don't know how to tell you how good this was other than to smash my body against itself. (laughs) I'm overcome. (laughs) Yeah. But that's it. Because you know, you know what applause is? Applause is a gift to the performer Mm -hmm. from the audience. Yeah. It's a gift of appreciation. Yeah. The only way that they can actually show you that when you're up on stage or when you're performing that they like what you're doing is if they're laughing out loud or if they're applauding or if they're booing even, you know, but that's not one of my favorite sounds. Yeah. But laughter and applause, those things feed me. And then when I, so when I hear that for other people, it doesn't have, I I used to love it for me. I used to love when I was, when we were growing up performing on stage at the castle, I loved the applause and it fed me and I got really I bet you arrogant. were the worst. I was going to say, I bet you were the I worst. I was arrogant, throwing the peace signs up in the air oh and everything, you know, and the terrible hair and everything, which is why I shaved it off to change my personality. No, the, I was arrogant and I, I, I hated, I, I look back and I, I see what I was like and I hated it. Yeah. But I, what I loved was that sound. And then what I realized was Lisa and I would always watch our fellow performers like in juniors week or something. We'd watch them from the wings. Mm-hmm. Because we like to hear what it sounded like from the audience, giving them the appreciation. Yeah. And so that's carried over. I love... Fascinating. I love hearing people react to really, really good magic, even if it's not me doing it. Yeah. Like, for example, we're all... When a bunch of people are at a bar and, like, Garcia just starts holding court. You know what I'm talking I about. I do. Right? I do. When he starts holding oh, court man. and it's like everybody goes, Danny Garcia, Daniel Garcia's about to do some magic. Yeah, out, right? Exactly. Yep. It's a beehive. He's like a vacuum. He he's just sucks vacuum. people to him. And he's not even trying. He just wants to show one thing to one person. But as soon as he pulls out a deck of cards, it and nobody says, Hey, Danny's about to do a magic trick. Right? Yeah. You've experienced Nobody, this. Yes. Nobody advertises it. It's like, it's you guys are just chatting and he takes out a deck of cards and you look up and there's 50 people and you're yes. like, Jesus. Yes. Where and did you, you all come from? And then you hear the reaction for the shit that he does. Yeah. And I'm just like, oh. I, 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 and then I he has like feed. that little high-pitched giggle that's oh, amazing. Man, it's so good. It's infectious. It's so good. <laughs> and then I feed off of that because mm-hmm. I can see how it's impacting people. Yeah. I can see what... People just pull out magic tricks and, oh, it's so, it's so good. It's my favorite thing in the world, just hearing laughter and applause, even if I'm not causing it. It's the best. 
right? Like, yes. You feel yeah, yeah, that? yeah. Oh, totally. You feel that even like even we're at the castle or you're watching a show and yeah, you hear them laughing. You're like, yes, that that joke hit or that magic trick like nailed them. Like uh, Jared Goff was at the castle last week and I took a guest so and Jared's in the middle of his his act and my guest just starts laughing and I know his laugh well enough to know that he's fucking digging <laughs> yes. Jared. And I'm like, it doesn't get better than this. It doesn't. This he, is the best. They can't Jared's my that. favorite. This guy's my favorite. They love each other in this yeah. moment. It, this is bliss. Yes. This is what this is all about. Yes. Yep. I'm with you. It's the best. Just seeing people. I mean, it's cheesy, but remember when uh, Siegfried and Roy had their special and they were talking about the best illusion. <laughs> I don't remember. I don't know. Holy this. crap. It was so good. It was so flower power, cheesy, great. And I love it to this day. And they're talking about how the best illusion is being, and I'm paraphrasing it because I'm going to get this totally wrong, but they were saying that the best illusion is making people forget that they have bills to pay, that they have laundry to do, they have dishes to wash, and making them forget for two minutes or two hours that reality is there. Yeah. You make them go to a place where anything is possible. That's the world I love bringing people into, and that's the world I love other people bringing people into, and just watching people sit back and react to that shit. Nothing gets me happier than that. That's why I go watch shows. That's why you go watch movies. That's why you listen to your band. You go watch your, your favorite bands perform. But, and I've always said this, like, I love going, watching, going to watch plays and musicals and stuff that aren't magic. And I tell people, they, people ask me, how do I become a better magician? I go, go watch live shows that aren't magic. Yeah. Because you have to understand why people, why those people on the stage are connecting with the audience with zero magic. Yes. When you can figure out why that's working, that's going to make you a better magician. It has nothing to do with magic. Yep. You become a better show person. Yes. Yeah. You become a better connection, a better connector. When you can connect with an audience, it's over. I don't care what you do. When you're that conduit, when you're that antenna, it's over. When you're hooked into when they're hooked into you, they're locked on. It doesn't matter what you do. They're on your team. Yeah. And then once they're on your team, then you can fuck them up with awesome magic. It's so good. Then you're immortal. I love it. That's the best. That is the best. All right. We're going to do a lightning round. We're lightning at, round. We're at almost okay. two and a half hours. What, is the, what does the lightning round mean? Lightning round is... I know what it means. Just go. You Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we're lightninging the lightning round. Um... The most proud thing that's been broadcast that you were a part of. The, most, thing, the thing you are most proud of. Uh, our first TV show, uh, Totally Hitting Extreme Magic. Because for me, that was, we lucked out, awesome, we had an idea in our heads, and we were the first hidden camera magic show out there. Maybe we weren't, but I know that we were. <laughs> but we were the first hidden camera magic, magic show out there. And the reason why I'm proud of that is because the way it was different. The way Blaine... Turned things around. Yeah. He turned, he was the first person to turn the camera on the audience and yeah. ke- instead of keeping it on himself. Our idea, slightly different, was 
if we're walking down the street and you see somebody come along with the camera and some lights and a boom mic and you're gonna it's gonna elicit a certain reaction out of you. Yeah. But if we've never met and we're in a coffee shop and I make the creamer float across you to me and there's no cameras around, that's gonna elicit a very different reaction from you. Yeah. A very real reaction from you. Yeah. So we capture that real reaction with hidden cameras. Totally different beast. Mm-hmm. And that's why I love that. I'm super proud of that because even now, it's still like with Carbonaro, you know, doing his car- hidden camera magic show. He carries that show. He carries the bits. He's, yeah, it, yeah. It, it, he's really Completely great at doing incredible. that. Yeah. You know, so when, when that first started coming out, we're like, yay. Gongor and I were like, yay, it's awesome to know that our format still works 10 yeah. years later. Somebody's <laughs> carrying our torch. Yeah. Somebody's carrying the torch. Thank God it still works. Yeah. So yeah, proudest moment for Magic. That was probably one of the biggest things. Amazing. Yeah. Um, favorite piece of literature. Favorite piece of literature. Yeah. Magic or non magic. Magic or non magic. But you have to pick one. <laughs> I had to pick one because I've read it a whole bunch of times. Yep. Is um, Dale Carnegie's How to Win Friends and Influence People. Dope. And what's great about that was at one point somebody had asked me what my favorite magic book is. And I said, oh, this is Dale Carnegie book is how to win friends and influence people. And Garcia goes, are you kidding me? That's my favorite magic book. And it's not even a magic book. Yeah. Yeah. That's my, I've given away probably a dozen copies of that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's the most magical book there is. Yep. Right. Yeah. Oh, easily. It's ridiculous. You can perform miracles with that book. If you haven't gotten that book or you haven't read it, Dale Carnegie, How to Win Friends and Influence People. It, you can get a used copy on Amazon for 99 cents. 99 cents, and it's life-changing, right? It, yes. Yeah, absolutely. It's the best magic book that I can think of. And there's instructions oh in the introduction. God. <laughs> right? There's instructions. Follow the fucking instructions. If Do not follow, half-ass this. You follow the instructions, and it will change you your can life. pull off miracles, and it's life-changing. Yeah. 100%. Favorite film? Ooh. That's tough because what Batman I Batman Forever. <laughs> <laughs> it might be Batman Forever. No. It bounces back and forth between the Untouchables and Back to the Future one. Because if I had you know, a favorite film, you can watch it over and sure, over and yeah, over again. Yeah. Back to the Future is pretty awesome. But the Untouchables is what it, Mammoth. It's a Mammoth film. Yep. Yeah. Love that film. Right on. Uh, and, and Batman then, Forever. And Batman Forever. Because of Nicole Kidman. And that one scene when he's like, I really gotta get you out of those clothes. <laughs> And into, and into a black, a black dress. <laughs> Excuse me? And into a black... And his, like, weird lisp in that movie? Yeah. Oh, my God. I love it. It's so good. There's more. I'm Batman! <laughs> when he, like, stands up in the circus. I'm, I'm Batman! I'm Batman! <laughs> it's so weird. That's such a weird movie. I love it. It was terrible and good. Um, <laughs> who? I don't think they paid Tommy Lee Jones enough money to behave that way. No. <laughs> uh... <laughs> And then what was the most totally reality-bending, mind-altering moment of astonishment you've ever experienced? Hmm. Most mind-bending moment of astonishment. Where you felt truly something impossible was happening in front of you. Copperfield flying. Live. I remember going to Vegas, and I was... In the front row, you know, you're in the front row at a Copperfield show and you're leaning on the stage and he starts flying and 
it looked you understand i'm on literally on the stage and i see nothing so it's not only magic but it's art so i'm looking at this going that's sorcery it looks so incredibly good and i was alone up in the front because we all my family and i had to be separated because there was a one ticket up front and sure my family sat in the back so i turn around and i look to see if my <laughs> family's enjoying it and what i see is an entire audience in tears. Oh, wow. Like everybody, he's flying around and I turn around and people behind me are in tears watching him fly around like fucking Peter Pan. Yeah. And I'm going, motherfucker, he nailed it. He nailed it to where he's using Matt. He's got the illusion down, but it's also the connection of, because you know, he says it in in his that pre-speech you ever dream of flying fuck yeah everybody's dreamed of flying everybody had that's a seinfeld thing yes everybody has dreamed of it's a universal truth it's a universal truth exactly everybody has and then when he goes up and he does it and his series of convincers which are solid oh it's so good because every moment when people go oh this is just what it is oh wait a minute no it's not the series of convincers when he's like, oh, and then people go, oh, oh, it just must be this. Oh, crap. No, it's not. It's so perfectly laid out to where at the end, all people go, all people can say is, well, I don't know how that works. It must be sorcery. Then he wins. Yeah. That's it. But that, that moment when I turned around and I watched and I saw an audience crying, that was, that was life-changing for me. It was... That was the moment that because, you know, you see it on TV and I thought that before that life changing for me was Lance doing his bird act on Carson. Yeah. You know, but holy crap, that was so good. Who the fuck is this guy? So amazing. And that was it. And then I saw Lance doing his thing over the Hacienda. Do you ever see him do it? The the, the Hacienda? You missed out, bro. Holy crap. That was so good. But then seeing that. You know, there's been a lot of it, it's it's been a progression. There's sure. been a lot of magical life changing moments for me, but when I turned around that one time and I saw people crying at Copperfield Show, that was that that was life altering. It was so good. I must have been sixteen, seventeen when I saw that. I can't even remember. But yeah, it was awesome. What about you? What was what was the uh, life altering moment for you besides seeing me and Lisa perform? I've never seen you guys See, perform. you're supposed to lie at this moment and no. say, oh my God, that was so life-altering no. when I saw you guys perform. I'm sure it would be. I have no doubt. I just haven't <laughs> seen it. you got to make the tape. You're going to make the tape. It's on um, VHSC. i got to find a VHSC like, player, <laughs> plug in like all 19 jacks to it. It'll be good. Yep. Uh, I've had a couple different moments. The, the most recently, like the hardest I was fooled most recently was by a Chinese magician. His name's Sui Li. I saw him at the castle, and he did three coins across right in front of me. And I know all the moves. I know how everything works. And he's doing it, and every phase is not only... It's not fooling me. I know the method. It's obliterating me. <laughs> There's a t- And that's why I stopped using the word... Because I used to say, what was the hardest you were fooled? Cause, and that connotes 
you know, when, when was the thing that you didn't know how it worked? I know how this works. Yeah. It's a regular retention vanish, but imp- literally imperceptible. Yeah. <laughs> I have pretty good fucking eyes. I know what good sleight of hand looks like. This is witchery. <laughs> <laughs> and so every phase just totally. And I'm standing, I'm sitting at this table and on my right is Armando Lucero. Yeah. Sitting next to him is Johnny Thompson. Yes. These guys do things. I'm like, oh, yes, it's very good. Really wonderful magic. And then Soe comes up and does this three coins across, which I know. I don't know how these guys are doing their tricks. Yeah. But I'm like, oh, yeah, that's pretty good. Soe does this thing I know the method for. And I'm literally jumping out of my chair, hitting the table, screaming, because it's like I'm getting kicked in the head by a donkey. Oh, that's great. That's the best magic. Yeah. So that was amazing. And uh and that was and the time before Mike that I cried, which Mike was like Mike Mike's magic was beautiful and amazing and it, it was absolutely a factor in me crying. But the time the uh, I think maybe the only time just magic in front of me has ever made me cry was at Pebble Palooza in Dallas. Tony Chang sat down and did forty minutes of Gabby Pereira's material for me and three other people. Tony's back was to the lobby, and us three guys were sitting in a booth, and he just did Tony's material, as it is, and he, I, I just, he finished the last trick, and I just started, Jesus, <laughs> he finished the last trick, and I just started crying, and I was like, I don't know what's happening right now. You're this right. Is, it's so stunning. It's so beautiful. It's so simple. It's so oh. effortless. Yeah. I love that you said that you don't like the word fooling and you like, oh, it obliterated me. Yeah. And every time I see Tony Chang do stuff, it fucking obliterates <laughs> me. It's, and it's great because he's so nonchalant about it. It's like, oh, yeah, I'm still working on it. You it's know? Like, it's, like, just, it's cute, right? It's, it's cute, like, right? Is, is that all right? It's like, fuck you, Tony. <laughs> <laughs> it's so it's so matter of fact. It's like, oh, yeah, it, it's, it's okay, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's okay. Yes, Tony. Obliterating. Okay. <laughs> That's a good word. I'm going to start using that. What obliterated you instead of, wait, what fooled you? Yeah. You're right. What obliterated yeah. me? Yeah. Damn, it's so good. Well, thank you, Rico. We did it. Did we do it? We did it. We did it. It'll be about two and a half hours after I I think that if people make part. it to two and a half hours right now, then they might appreciate you and I saying things like, Batman Forever Rocks. Moist. <laughs> <laughs> and then if they... uh if they, uh, you know, go to Twitter at Enrico De La Vega. Oh, wait. At Enrico underscore De La Vega. Shit. I don't even know my own Twitter handle. <laughs> at Enrico underscore De La Vega. Google.com slash Enrico. I don't even I don't know. Even I don't know how Google works. What is a Google? You know, I'm just going to bang it. Ba- I'm going to. Can you bang that for me, yeah, please? Yeah, I'm going to. I'm going to look. I'm going to do a Lexus. Could you search. ask Jeeves that for me? <laughs> I'm going to ask G how, what a Bing is. <laughs> you go to Google.com, type in Google.com. <laughs> and it takes you to Bing. And Bing takes you to Ask Jeeves. And then it takes you to Alexis Nexus Church. And then that's how you get into the dark web. <laughs> <laughs> that's where all the cryptocurrency is. Oh, my God. Thank you so much, Rico. This dude, is such a blast. Thank you. <laughs> I knew it was going to be a blast being here. Thank you, dude. You're one of my favorite people. You and Amanda are like so awesome. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah, we feel seriously. the same way. Oh, man. It's so good. 
So good. So thanks for having me. This is fun. Yes, my pleasure. Thank let's you. Let's do it again so that way people can just hate us for blabbing. Oh, let's do that one. Let's just... <gasps> why don't we just not finish this one ever? Oh, my God. What if we just call Lisa right now, have her come over, and then just continue blabbing until she gets here, and then continue with her? I would love to do that another time. I have to get on the plane <laughs> very early in the morning. No, your plane can wait. You can You can postpone. Can I do that? You can go stand by. Yeah. I can do that. What airline are you on? American. You can totally postpone. You can go on standby in the next. It flight. says right here. I can just. I can just choose a different time. Of course. Let's do it. Let's do it. Okay. Let call, me call Lisa. Lisa. Here we go. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening to Magical Thinking. If you enjoyed the show, head over to patreon.com, that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash magical thinking and become a patron to support the show and get access to exclusive content like magic audiobooks, tips on style and fashion, a revamped book club, behind the scenes pictures and video, audio answers to your magic questions, and more. You can get in touch with me by emailing podcast at artofmagic.com. And when you're finished, head into your podcast app and leave a rating and a review for Magical Thinking. Thanks again, and I'll see you next time. Cheers.